Blog Talk Radio. From the IMLD Home Studio, in its seventh season, this is, in much less detail, the podcast, where we cut through the noise and give you your NFL breakdown in much less detail. With your hosts, Jay and Dre. Oh, yeah, we got a huge NFL weekend coming up starting tomorrow, a triple header on Saturday and a big slate on Sunday and the last Monday night game of the year. And you know what that means. It's time for our Friday night football party where we get into all of that good stuff that's coming up this weekend. You are listening live to In Much Less Detail, the podcast. We are here for you and with you live on a Friday night, December the 20th, 2019. I'm Dre. He's Jay. We are in the house and ready to talk about week 16 in the NFL, which gets started tomorrow on Saturday with that triple header. And we're also here to talk about, unfortunately, week 15 in the NFL, which saw us uh, take a licking. Uh, it's supposed to be goodwill, it's supposed to be the season of joy and tidings and, and all of that good stuff. And uh, it didn't feel too good last weekend. We were flying high off of our geniusness of week 14, where we both put up 10 and four weeks with a couple of pushes. And then last week comes along and we're looking both at three and 10 with one push uh, before the Sunday night and Monday night victories that we got to salvage a five, 10 and one week for both of us. So uh, we celebrated the geniusness. So Jay, now it's time to face the music and, and ask the only appropriate question about, week 15 hey what happened we put the much less detail in in much less detail last week that was a brutal week uh, i think i got uh hung an l on me in every single afternoon game I, which wow that was like old days that's like old school me and you picking games you know where i'd usually run up the big lead on you in the morning games and then you'd like kill me in the afternoon yeah what a what a rough week. Uh, the, the the lock intervention that we went through a few weeks ago, you still haven't learned. So I learned it through a half. That was good, <laughs> was good money for a half. It was good. It was solid. I was looking real good. And uh, they played three minutes. We've we've basically got it to the point now where the best you can hope for is a tie in the locks. Uh, one more loss by you or one more win by me. And I get that point, which I believe I will desperately need because I'm still sitting, I believe, seven or eight games behind you right now. We've been seven for a few weeks. We've been tied the last couple of weeks. Yeah. I mean, you know, in seven games, boy, once you you play out a 256-game NFL schedule, <laughs> seven games come the end of it is not going to be, like, huge. I mean, we've, we've had much bigger differences going into the playoffs than seven games, plus possibly a point coming my way. Uh, is just a you know that's just a couple of picks away from you know flipping this thing. So I just need I need to do a better job here in week sixteen, week seventeen. On strangely, my picks this week I made them really quick and easy, and it was like, oh, this this week looks great. But 
which means I'm, I'm just going <laughs> totally screwed. So, yeah, I don't even know where to begin last week. What a what a nightmare. Uh, the raw numbers are uh, indeed my tragic number in the locks is, is one because you're up eight to six in the locks with two weeks to go. So zero room for error. I have to, to knock you out in the locks this week and next week uh, just to make sure that you don't get that extra point. I can't win the point myself because that's just it's six right. locks correct in 15 weeks. Six and six and nine. Six, six and, and nine. nine. Yeah. Which in puts my, me only at eight and seven. Which, which sounds a hell of a lot better than six and nine. Yes. Uh, my stone cold lock every week, six and, and nine. That's that's really yeah. not good. Uh, and for the season, uh, I'm at 110, 108, and six, hanging on over 500 by a fingernail. You're at 103, 115, and six. Uh, but you pulled yourself up. You were down uh, a little lower than that, so... Uh, actually, the kind of yo-yoing back and forth, both of us, with the great week a couple weeks ago, and then the the week last yeah. week, kind of dropping us back, uh, bringing us back to earth. Uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure where where to begin either. It's uh, there's a lot that happened. That's that's about all I can tell you. I don't know if we can do a, a good job of explaining it since we uh, foresaw so little of it coming, uh, but there was a lot that happened. We yeah, we were definitely on the wrong side um, of a lot of games, so. Yeah, that was that was tough. Um, I believe I had the Patriots was my lock of the week. They took care of business. Not a lot to talk about in that game. Cincinnati's just they're garbage. I mean, it's just an absolutely terrible football team. New England took care of business. They didn't even have to look all that great doing it. That New England offense just continues to uninspire. And uh, we'll see. A little tougher test for them tomorrow. Uh, Boy, that that's going to be one hell of a football game, New England Buffalo. I'm I'm excited to to see some of that game. Yeah, I am too. I, I don't know exactly how to feel about it yet. We'll we'll yeah. figure it out when it's time to make that pick. But uh, I think from a pure covering standpoint, I think we got obviously we got robbed in the Eagles and uh, Redskins matchup. The Eagles. Oh getting the, boy, oh boy. Thankfully, <laughs> neither one of us was on the uh, Eagles. In that one, we both had the Redskins, so that was a bad beat for both of us. Where the uh, last second, you know, trying to miracle play, you know, the Redskins are trying to make a miracle play happen to win the game, and the Eagles end up falling on a ball in the end zone, and that uh, that ends up turning a cover into an L. And boy, is this the second? This got to be at least in recent memory the second time the Seahawks have blown a straight up just easy win against the spread to turn it into a push. They also did this uh, with the Matt Schaub Atlanta squad a few weeks ago <laughs> where they were up uh, huge and ended up getting a push, I believe on a seven uh, because of an Atlanta garbage time touchdown. And here's Seattle again, giving up a complete garbage time touchdown to the Carolina Panthers to get that to six and give us our push. Yeah. Those types of things happen. Uh, about yeah. All you can do is shrug your shoulders at, at stuff like that. So there's two um, there's two wins right there. I mean, so we we potentially yeah. just right there would have been seven and nine. I don't think either one of us would have felt too bad about seven and nine. Right. Um, and and like I said, five and ten is so much better than what it was before the the night games because it was three and ten before that, and that, that was yeah. that was just looking like disaster. Um, we've both been there yeah. before, though. I mean, like we, right. we, it's not like we've never done that and we can't recover. 
That's true. Uh, as far as the Patriots go, I, I'm I'm not going to pass up the the opportunity, even though uh, the the Bengals got trounced and you won your lock and all that. I, I can't take anything away from that, but I'm going to try anyway because that's my nature. Uh, the the Bengals were hanging with the the Almighty Patriots for a half. That's yeah, another were. one. If they played 30 minutes, I would have won that pick as well. Uh, so I don't know what happened. I guess the Patriots went and reviewed the, the sideline tape at the half and made their second <laughs> half adjustments and came out and destroyed the Bengals uh, in the second half. It, it helps that Andy Dalton didn't recognize who Stephon Gilmore was and just kept throwing the ball uh, over to him. Uh, that helped a lot. Look, the, you know, the Patriots ultimately, it took a half, but did exactly what you said they would do, which is look around and recognize, oh, we got a soft spot now. After all the tough teams that we play, we get a cupcake, and this is what we do to cupcakes. And, and I even sort of called it. I said they can scheme way around the Bengals all day long. I just thought that uh, they didn't deserve to be that big a, a road favorite just because of how terrible they played this year despite their 10-3 and record. And now they're 11-3 and and can't take anything away from it. Uh, but yeah, I'm gonna have some sour grapes about that. I, I I wasn't impressed by the Patriots again, despite the the lopsided score. That was one of the less impressive 34 to 13 wins I think I've ever seen. Get that out of your system. That feel better. <sighs> I, I, I do. I do feel a little better. Yeah. All right. Let's let's talk about your Bears. Uh, I'm sure that's oh, gonna God. be a sore subject here, but they uh, the Packers once again talk about teams that are. Uh, Winning unimpressively. Aaron Rodgers even coined the went back to the winning ugly. And Green Bay, the last few weeks, has uh, they did this against the Redskins. I believe they did this with the the Giants. They're doing this now with the Bears. It's like the the, the Packers are they're, they're running out. They're scoring points. And man, do they just let things just grind to a complete halt and let these terrible teams hang around with them. And the Bears, uh, it wasn't too much different. Uh, the Packers come out, they look hot, they get the lead. And the Bears, boy, Mitch Trubisky, they, they became a little bit more inspired in the second half, and they were moving the football, and you really started to get the sense that the game was turning. And then the ugly interception, uh, I believe it was to Jake Ryan, jumping up from behind an offensive lineman just completely out of nowhere. When they showed the when they showed the view from behind Trubisky, you could see where when he threw that ball, he couldn't even see the defender. And that was just a perfectly timed jump because when the ball left his hand, that dude wasn't even in the air yet. And you end up with the interception close. It was very, uh, very Caleb Haney-esque interception right yeah, there. Yeah, we, we we got our Bears-Packers history aligned there, definitely. I, I had a B.J. Raji flashback, but yeah. as you pointed <laughs> out, it, it wasn't exactly the same. It wasn't that it Trubisky wasn't the threw the same, ball right it, into boy, the fucker's belly. Yeah. Same part of the like field, same, yeah. you know, same area on the field, and all of a sudden, the next thing you know, there's a, there's a now, now, Raji scored the touchdown, I believe. Yes. On the pick six, uh, where at this point Ryan did not, but it, yeah, that was as soon as I saw that play happen, I had the, uh, I had the Caleb Haney memories. I did too. It wasn't a perfect match, but it was sort of a flashback to go like, what, what, what are you doing? No, whoa. I think that's. I think that's an instinctive thing for you being the Bears fan. Having dramatic. that having the BJ Raji pick six probably seared into your consciousness for all time. I had some post traumatic stress flashbacks, absolutely. Yes. Of that dance that Raji did in the end zone. I'm sure you can see it right now. I'm trying to block it out of my mind. You're you're ruining all my therapy. <laughs> I'm working very hard to forget about that. 
But yeah, there's there's the Packers, not very impressive, but yet you know racking up another win. Um, yeah, this is gonna sound very familiar because I just did the same rant. I'm gonna do it again. You won the pick over me, and Green Bay covered the spread. I wasn't impressed. The Packers didn't <laughs> look like a great team to me. That's one of the least impressive 21 to 13 victories I've ever seen. Absolutely, I, I didn't yeah. see anything to make the make me think that the Packers were invincible or anything like that. Yeah, uh, and now they're 11 and three. I'm not very impressed with the 11-3 or the 11-3 Patriots. Do we have any other teams that won and that you're not impressed with so we can just keep this rolling? Oh, no, it, it gets it gets worse about the, the, the Bears-Packers uh, game, the end of the game, that last play. I got, I got oh, something to say about yeah. Yeah? On, on that yeah, final like play. It, it could have happened. We, that was very similar to a play I think we saw Bucks-Falcons a couple of seasons ago where it looked like Atlanta was about to blow it. And uh, Tampa had drawn up, like, the perfect, you know, like, crazy play at the end of the game. And then the guy ended up getting knocked out of bounds or the ball got thrown out of bounds at, like, the four-yard line where if he just would have lateraled it properly, the guy would have walked right in. And you had a very similar vibe. Now, keep in mind, that was – well, that also is your cover because there's no guarantee the Bears score the touchdown and get the two-point conversion there. But from a gambling standpoint – Yes, That's I totally it. understand that as well. And as a Bears fan, wanting the Bears to have a chance. Yeah, they uh, drew it up. They drew up a really good play instead of going for the Hail Mary. So the last throwback, uh, yeah. after all the, 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 the pitches and flips and, and going down the field where they get it around the 20 or so, that very last throwback by Mitch Trubisky, uh, it kind of looked like it may have gone forward or may have been deflected forward. I really couldn't quite tell. But there were a couple of Bears, not just one. There was a couple of Chicago Bears that after that last throwback uh, hit the ground that it looked like may have been a forward pass. It, you could tell that they were afraid to pick it up because if it's a forward pass, you can't pick it up and score anyway. And, and therefore, you know, the game was over anyway. But I didn't see any flags. And even if there were any flags, why are you looking at the ball? Here's how you can't win the game, by looking at the football. <laughs> if you pick it up and run it in, you win the game, or it might be a penalty and you lose anyway. But So there's a, a non-zero chance that you would win that game. You know what's a zero chance of you winning the game? is just staring at the fucking football. You cannot possibly win the game by looking at the ball laying at your feet and it was it was a couple of them. It wasn't just one. It was a couple of them that were clearly panicked and scared to pick up the ball because they didn't know if it was a forward pass or what was going on. But there's zeros on the clock. You're losing. How do you think this is going to resolve itself with you staring at the football? It, it, that's not – oh, I was so frustrated. Why are you looking at the football? What are you – that was some Three Stooges shit right there. I had to go back specifically on YouTube and find this because this wasn't even worthy of Benny Hill bullshit. This this was just knucklehead, Curly running his head into the wall, uh, Mo slapping you upside the head. This was some Three Stooges. This was playing. The whole time. That was playing during the whole play. The whole play. This is about all I got to say about that. Man. You 
fired up about that last. But no, that looked like for right a few times in that play, like you thought that there was a chance. Like I'm, I was like at said, work and we're watching. Spread. It's, it's, yeah, it's a chance that's to win, spread. but it's the that's spread as well. It's just yeah. nope. We don't want. We're gonna look at the football. We don't want the spread. We don't want a chance to tie the game. We don't want any of this. We're just gonna look at the damn football. Ugh. Well, I'll let you feel good for a minute. I'll let you flex your genius muscles because we got to talk about that Falcons 49ers game. What the hell? Oh, sure. I'll, I'll talk about one of my few wins. Now, now uh, <laughs> you did not have that as a win as nah, be on the record. Nah, I'm not, so not I'll, crap, I'll like... crap all over that. You didn't say I'm taking Falcons <laughs> in the win and the money line here. So I'll I'll give you a little bit of, little bit of uh, what you're giving back to me and crap all over your win over me. But no, I mean that was a they hung in tight in that game, end up pulling that thing out on that last second, which was clearly a touchdown. I mean, I, I, Julio Jones was over the goal line with the ball, ever so briefly. That's a touchdown. By three no full inches, it was a touchdown. Falcons win the game, then they get then they get the touchdown on the ensuing craziness to get the extra uh, points. But at that point, it didn't matter. Yeah. But Atlanta goes down there, and and what what I took away from that game was. I did. I thought Vic Beasley was in witness protection. He owned that. He was wrecking the 49ers the whole game. Yeah, he's been capable of that his whole career, as we both know. He's just no, very capable and doing it are two different things. Yeah. No. No. Uh, the 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 whole Falcons defense really has been again goes back to me uh, going down the list and roll calling the entire defense and saying, "Where's the weakness? Where's the weakness? I don't see any weakness." Uh, Right. Um, so they all clearly have the potential to make impact uh, plays and, and have days like that. But uh, yeah, Beasley uh, came through. Uh, I was looking at the offensive side and looking at what Julio Jones was doing, and, and uh, he, he put on some Barry White and made sweet love to the 49ers all day long. And that that was uh, that was beautiful to watch. And I was kind of expecting it because of uh, uh, two factors, of course, the uh, Calvin Ridley being hurt on the other side, and, and now there's no other sort of second banana for Julio is going to have to be all Julio uh, the rest of the way because he doesn't have yeah. really any help left. Uh, and also the Niners missing a couple of key cornerbacks there in, in Richard Sherman and Kwan Williams. And I, I just I had a feeling that they were going to struggle. Uh, they've got one of those defenses are just like the Patriots that have uh, really uh, looked really strong all year, but you kind of look at the opponents and you have to look at the games and watch who they've been playing and, and get a sense of, well, they, they may be pretty damn good, but maybe they're not quite as great as, as the numbers suggest that they are. Um, and I just, uh, yeah, it's, it's Atlanta on the grass on the road. It, it really shouldn't have gone that way, but I just had a feeling that with the injuries and, and with Julio Jones having a chance to step up again and, and sort of show everybody that he's a number one, number one, like top notch, number one yep. receiver. And that's exactly what he did. Well, I'll tell you, I, seeing Julio Jones play live um, and I was able to witness that at that uh, NFC championship game down in Atlanta, that last he game. Made he made sweet love to the Packers too. When, when, yeah, I mean, Ladarius Gunter still sees Julio <laughs> Jones in his nightmares at night. And seeing that in person, well, just seeing that Atlanta offense, it's that Kyle Shanahan offense in person and what they did to the Packers up and down the field that whole game, but specifically what Julio Jones could do, the catches he was making, how physical he is. Um, you know, and I've, I've been to quite a few NFL games, but I mean, from a, from a just pure talent standpoint, he's got to be the best 
wide receiver that I have ever seen play live. Now I haven't seen every single one, you know, and I'm fortunate enough to maybe go to a football game, you know, maybe one game a year, but going down to that game and then just watching the show that, that he put on in that game and just, you know, seeing the, he almost feels like underappreciated or underutilized in that Atlanta offense. Like why are they just not constantly feeding the ball to Julio Jones left and right all day long, you know, this sort of mystifies me. I know they want to spread the ball around and they want to run the football, but man, you, you, they paid a King's ransom to draft Julio Jones. Go use him. He, he is sure better is. than any defensive back that you're going to put out there. He is almost unguardable. Yeah, well, I, I don't, you know, I can't speak to any live receivers because, again, I'm the uh, very rare uh, football pundit that's never actually been to an NFL game. But I can say hey, that I, I, I co-host a gambling show and I've never actually gambled <laughs> on sports. So. There you go. Uh, but I think we can both agree that he's uh, one of the best receivers we've ever seen play the game, just you know, on TV. Um, when you think about. Uh, Jerry Rice, uh, uh, yeah, Calvin Johnson, uh, Randy the, Moss, the, Randy Moss, all know, the best yeah. receivers that we've seen throughout the years. He's up there with all of them. Uh, yeah. and he's he's in that tier, you know. I mean, he he's definitely in there. I'm not one of these goat people, you know, where yeah. it's like I'm going to try to quantify somebody as being, you know, a number one above everybody else, because I, I would just say that there's a group, you know, you put somebody in that group of the best ever. And uh, yeah, Julio Jones is making that case. I mean, he's got to be, he's having a hall of fame career. He's going to go in Canton someday. No doubt. Uh, so we covered the, uh, the two that you got over me and that was one that I got over you. Uh, another one was what the Cowboys came back home and did to yeah. the Los Angeles Rams uh, that one I can comment on a little more extensively because I got this on the market here. So I, I watched that whole game. That was weird, man, because uh, it, fine, the Cowboys manned up and, and did what they had to do and, and give them props and, and credit to them. And road golf showed up. Jared golf played like crap uh, on the road, road which, is, right there. which is what he does. But it was just a Classic. very strange, it was a strange game plan by Sean McVay because he gave out, he ignored Todd Gurley, uh, 20 yards, you, 20 you, yards. You cited how much better Gurley had been playing lately as a reason to yeah. take the Rams and, and go with them. And it wasn't that Gurley was necessarily playing bad. He didn't get a chance. McVay kept calling pass after pass after pass after pass. And he's sprinkling a run every now and then, but he was, uh, it seemed like he was intent on making Jared Goff win the game at, at, at all costs, it, it, like there's no other game plan. It was J- Jared Goff is going to win this game for us, or we're going to get trounced. And it was option B that trounced. And it was just really weird. He insisted on throwing almost every down using a quarterback who wasn't sharp. And it was clear that this was not going to be one of those Jared Goff games. He, he started out kind of bad and got worse as the game went on. And just trying to force it and trying to make him overcome whatever his road yips might be or whatever, whatever the game plan was, they ignored one of their best offensive options uh, and a guy that's been playing much better football the second half of the year in Todd Gurley. Uh, And it was just weird. It it was, uh, again, all credit to the Cowboys for doing what they had to do. But Sean McVay has some 
sort of game plan brain fart sometimes. I don't want to put this on the level of the Super Bowl, but it was pretty bad. This is the trouble you get with the quote-unquote genius head coach. Sometimes they out-genius themselves. Um, There should never be a situation where Sean McVay allows himself to be out-coached by Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett is a dead man walking right now. And I think everybody knows it. Um, you know, we'll, you know, you could have all the toss-up stuff you want. No, the, the Cowboys are going to make the playoffs, so they'll well, they'll probably make the playoffs. I mean, there's a chance that they could blow this thing and the Eagles could win it. So I'm not going to guarantee because if they don't make the playoffs, he's fired. Like, boom, like the next season's day. over, he's fired. Like at the at the pre, at the conference after the game, he's probably fired if they <laughs> don't make the playoffs. And even if they do make the playoffs, they go one and done or they don't make any kind of a splash. And I would totally anticipate this Cowboys team is completely capable of going one and done, being that they're going to be hosting um, a really good football team. They're, I mean, right now they would be standing to host either the uh, 49ers or the Vikings. Yeah, I would want the Cowboys to make the playoffs just to see the 49ers go in there and just eat their oh. – eat everything on the plate and right. destroy him. But yeah, the Sean McVay just, he, he does this and he totally admitted a few weeks ago that he was coaching like an idiot and they needed to get back to basics. And then they went on this run and you start and they started to get that, that hope. And they all of a sudden had like legitimate playoff implications to their games. And boy, did they just go out and completely lay an egg in Dallas against a not very good Cowboys team. The Cowboys team that what lost three in a row. We're looking like they were on their way to backing into the playoffs or backing out of the playoffs even worse. And uh, they just didn't show up. And yeah, this road golf thing though is starting to get, this, this is starting to be a thing. Oh yeah, definitely. And I think that was McVay's attempt to overcome that was, all right, I'm going to show you how much confidence I have in you. And I'm going to give you and instill in you all the confidence because I'm going to put all the plays through you. And I'm going to put this whole thing on your shoulders and make you the guy and you're going to win it for us. All right, go get him, big fella. Uh, uh, Yeah. We saw how that went in the Super Bowl. uh, not, not, Not good at all. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like like I said, you uh, talked about they're starting to run the offense through Todd Gurley. Here come the Rams, and then they just didn't. Uh, they forgot about him. They, they ghosted their own best player. Who? Todd? Todd who? Who? Who are you talking about? Yeah, it, it made it made absolutely no sense to me. So that that was one I was not happy to lose. Uh, one that I was happy to win, and I believe you were also happy to win was the Buffalo Bills putting the final dagger here in the Steelers season, which just it just needed to happen. This was a mercy killing that just needed to happen. There was no way I wanted to see that Pittsburgh squad somehow end up in the playoffs. Not at all. Uh, I know that we have listeners on this show or vi- uh, who are Steelers fans, probably don't like hearing that, but this was not your year. Sorry, Bryce. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Not your year, Pittsburgh. Take your lumps, move on. Uh, Buffalo probably should have blown their doors off, but I've realized that the Bills are – I always talk about how the Bills are blowout proof. Like, you cannot blow this Bills team out. They're also not capable of doing it the other way, I've noticed. Like, every you game can't the Bills play, right, every game the Bills play look just like that. Every, they're going to be within a touchdown of just about everybody, whether they win or whether they lose, all year. 
and that game looked exactly like I thought it would. So there's not much to go into detail ugly. about that one either. Uh, yeah, it was definitely it was low ugly. scoring. It was ugly. Yeah, uh, we Doug, love the under. Doug Boy looked exactly like he should. Uh, was some, that four he, picks? Four picks? And he had some nice plays here and there, and some gutsy throws. And that's what yeah. he's he's done. That's what's got everybody uh, in love with him. Like he's the the next coming. Uh, of, of a great superstar yeah, quarterback yeah, no. or anything. Uh, but when it was all on the line, he held the ball way too long. He took sacks that he shouldn't have taken. He, he wound up throwing it up for grabs. The, the last couple of possessions just completely just, yeah, here, take it. I don't want this. <laughs> the last two, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That Bill's yeah. secondary, though, is really good. They're not bad. They're, they're, they're pretty good. Nobody talks about any of their defensive players individually because they play in Buffalo and nobody cares about them, but that is like the third-ranked defense in all of football. Yeah, they're, uh, they're, they've got a, the, the game with New England that we've already referenced uh, once yeah. already. They're that's the, that's going to wind up being a, sort of the battle of the two top man-to-man cornerbacks right now, maybe in all of football, when you talk about Tredavious White for Buffalo and Stephon Gilmore for the Patriots. So they're getting some love in in that respect. It's the, sort of the one-on-one, which is funny because they can't play against each other tomorrow. So it's a weird one-on-one, but that's how that's how they're, they're getting some attention is that they're going to have a couple of guys on either side that are playing as good as anybody in the league right now at cornerback and they're getting matched up. So I finally heard Tredavious White's name being mentioned this past week, but only because they're about to play the Patriots and Tommy. And so they're getting some attention that way. So you, you get it where you, you know, you take it where you can get it, I suppose. But yeah, they're talking up. Yeah. I have heard that a little bit too. They're talking up the bills because they're trying to sell the matchup. Yep. And the, the, the division is, unbelievably in, in week 16 still on the line that the Patriots can still lose that division. If, if Buffalo takes them down and, and also wins in week 17, uh, that's amazing that, uh, that it's still, it's still in play. Uh, it's, it's the bills. I did not think that they were capable of that with, with project at quarterback. You were the one that were on them from the, the beginning I of did. the season. So. Thank you. Thank you for pointing sure that out were. before I did. You just <laughs> wanted to say it so that I couldn't. It's okay. What? Hey, I made a lot of bad picks this year for you know playoff implications and Super Bowl implications. This is the one, and you know this is the one I am the most proud of was being on the Buffalo Bills. So I know. I no, will. You, you you earned it. All right, yeah, because I remember when I made that uh, prediction on the show that the Bills were going to be the wild card and uh, one of the wild cards in the AFC, and uh, I would we need to go pull that tape because you <laughs> were a little shocked. Oh yeah, no, no doubt. No, I, I did not see the the path uh, with, with with that kid at quarterback, but he he's improved too. He's much better than he was at the beginning of the year. Uh, you know, he's still not great, but uh, you know, he, he's he's almost played his way to where I have to call him by his name, Josh Allen, instead of just Project. So, uh, <laughs> wait, for a team, well, you have a Bills team like that with the defense that can just shut you down. You yeah. don't need a ton on the offensive side of the ball, which is, and they don't get a ton on the offensive side of the ball. They're, they're, the running game is okay. I mean, the run, Frank Gore's 90 years old, and uh, was it Devin Singletary? He, he, he's all right. We've, we've already talked about the two uh, wide receivers, the very pro, the John Brown and Cole Beasley, just pro wideouts. You know, it, it's a nice little team. It's just they're just not going to put you away. You are going to linger and. 
you know, they're not, you can't put them away, but they also do not possess an offense enough to put you away. If the bills do run up the score on somebody, potentially it's going to be because they're going to get pick sixes or punt returns or, you know, interceptions to turn the, to flip the field and give that offense a short field. But other than that, yeah, if you're just playing the bills straight up, I mean, even with Pittsburgh throwing four picks and duck boy being under constant pressure, they still only lost by a touchdown to the bills. Even though when yeah. you watched it, when you were watching the game and you're just like, I don't show me the score. Just let me watch the game. The bills completely controlled that game from start <laughs> to finish. And still won by a touchdown. And still only won by seven. Yeah. And and even yeah. more incredible was that the Steelers somehow were a favorite in that game. And that just goes to show you the lengths and the the absolute just blinders that Vegas has for the Buffalo Bills right now. They have been a value pick all year. That they have. Well, and also it's the Steelers' love. I believe uh, we we talked about it at the time. That <sighs> yeah. Everyone is just in love with the Steelers because they were contending with all their players missing. No Big Ben, Antonio Brown off the team, Le'Veon Bell gone, and they were still with a winning record and still winning all these games that they had no business uh, winning. And yeah, you're gonna get that that Pittsburgh love because it's Pittsburgh, man. It's the Steelers. The, the Cowboys and the Steelers, as, as you already know, are the two teams in all of football that get the love from uh, the, their fan base uh, all around the world and probably get more love uh, in Vegas than maybe they deserve. Yeah, yeah I don't know. Some baseball, like the Yankees, get a lot of love. Right. That's a little irrational just because of the Yankees. Um, you know, and the, yeah, but the Steelers definitely were getting some love here in this game because I saw this as a Buffalo. I thought Buffalo should have been like probably a three-point favorite on the road. Yeah, they probably have earned that uh, throughout the season that they've been having. Uh, but no, yeah. no, Doug Boy, he's going to lead them to the promised land. <laughs> we saw a real similar situation uh, Thanksgiving. What was it? The Cowboys were giving the Bills a, like a touchdown. Yeah. yeah, it was crazy, like six, six yeah. and a half or something like yeah, that. Way too much. And it's like, so what? here we go. Yeah. Oh, and what do we have tomorrow? Oh, the Patriots are giving the Bills almost a touchdown. Mm-hmm. Here, we, oh, go here we go again. Here we go. Yeah, it's not a one. It's not. It's not. It's not a one-to-one uh, perfect comparison. But the Bills remind me of the Bears in that they have a really good defense, like potentially great defense, and all they need from their quarterback is to not fuck things up. And the Bills have a quarterback who's not fucking things up, and the Bears, unfortunately, do not. So the, the Bills, uh, their project is working out. The Bears apparently have a project, a quarterback, uh, after all this time, and he's not working out too well. So I, that's, that's the difference. And, the boy, in both of those teams offensively, you know, the skill positions, the wideouts, I probably like the Bills' wideouts, although, you know, Trubisky really loves forcing the ball to Miller. Boy, Anthony Miller is just be he. If you watched if you watched that Packer Bears game, uh, Trubisky was forcing balls to Miller um, left and right, and the Packers were just having none of it for for long stretches of that game. And and Trubisky was passing up a lot of easy throws. Like the Bears had crossers on on these crossing routes all day long, wide open against the Packers, and Trubisky just had this thing where he just had to keep trying to fire these balls into like the intermediary, you know, into that 15 yard range. And he's just trying to fire these balls into Miller. And 
the Packers weren't giving it up, and then you're watching on the replay, and there's this guy running the shallow cross, like zero, like nobody around him, and then Trubisky is just passing up open guy after open guy. So there's definitely some maturing that's going to happen uh, or have to happen with Trubisky in that Bears offense. Otherwise, they are just that's what it's just going to keep looking like. We're still waiting for that maturity, and unfortunately, Sunday night we get to hear about the other quarterback in that game that Chicago passed yeah. on in the draft. Uh, you mean the guy who Mahomes. went like really late in the first round? <laughs> when many, many picks after the Bears moved up to two uh, from three. <laughs> they also passed up on Deshaun Watson. I know that's the other narrative that's out there this week, too. Is that yes, Trubisky is going to be compared to Deshaun Watson and uh, Patrick Mahomes. And I guess if you're ranking those three right now, uh, <laughs> they're definitely going in the opposite order somewhat of what they were drafted. There's a lot of times, a lot of things that have happened since I moved down here from Chicago in 2011 that I, I wish I was in Chicago to hear and experience. Uh, e- even that Cubs World Series, I wish I would have been up there for that, as crazy as I would have been. This week, I'm glad I wasn't up there uh, to listen to Chicago Sports Talk Radio with Pat Mahomes coming in to face Mitch yeah. Trubisky because I'm sure it was just hours and hours and hours of, how could the Bears have drafted Trubisky <laughs> over Mahomes? I how wish I could go it? back. I wish I could go back and pull our texts from that draft <laughs> night when the Bears made that trade to go up and get Trubisky and just the absolute shock and horror that we had going. I, I'm cracking up. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> and you are texting me just, you're fired up. You didn't like it then. No, no. I I, I wasn't impressed with the little college tape, which the, the very little college tape, because he only played, I think, 11 games at North Carolina. Yeah. Um, now, I've gone on to say several times as recently as a few weeks ago that I love Mitch Trubisky. Because at times he has shown me things to make me love him and, and to think that he's going to be really, really good. Uh, so I'm not going to shy away from that. I said it, and, and I don't take it back. But, yes, at the time I was like, oh, my God. And uh, me and nobody else knew what Pratt Mahomes or Deshaun Watson was going to turn out to be. So uh, you can't blame us for uh, overlooking them. But, yeah, I was a I, I was not a big fan of that uh, Trubisky move. And uh, that's a nice almost uh, advertisement for our show and our podcast because we may not have the text from that night, but we went on we the air the and talked about it in our we draft did. aftermath show. Yes, so we did. Whichever, whichever year that was, and, and we've been on the air, as, as I say in the opening, in our seventh season. So, Seven, yeah. Uh, so we were there. I mean, we're there. We have a draft aftermath uh, show. We have uh, our season preview shows. We have our season year in season uh, award show, our honors and dishonors. Uh, I'm sure we're both getting uh, ready and prepared for, for that. That's always a good time where we go back and, and recap some of the crazy things that happened during the season that you may have forgotten about. And the NFL may have wanted you to forget about, but we remember. Um, so we have those those special shows coming up. Uh, we have a lot of fun every week doing our regular shows, but we have our, our specialty shows as well. We, we always have a good time for those. Uh, but yeah, we definitely jumped into that draft and, and that decision to uh, give up uh, serious capital and, and valuable picks in order to move up one spot in the draft to get this Trubinsky guy that uh, the 
the the experts at the time were saying that you didn't really have to do that because uh, whoever they traded down with was in San Francisco. Um, they weren't going to be taking Trubisky at two anyway, so that was sort of a waste. Yeah, didn't the 49ers flip that into like Nick Bosa or something, or was that that was that that year? <laughs> no, it was uh, it was a Solomon Thomas. Solomon Thomas. Okay, that's what it was. And they didn't they didn't have good... to move up. They they weren't going to no. take Trubisky anyway. No, they weren't. So they 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 suckered. I believe we talked about how they suckered the Bears, probably into yeah. making that move. Right. The, the Bears and, and paid zero for interest, zero interest in taking that guy. And but they all you gotta do is make somebody believe you're gonna take him, and they'll give you everything. And they sure did. Um, as much as it pains me to say, I guess I need to say something nice about Kirk Cousins and beating the San Diego Clipper <laughs> Chargers of Los Angeles. Um. Hey, he won a game against a team with a winning record, so. Uh, that would Good not job, be Kirk. correct, because the Clippers are 5-8. and eight. I know they seem oh. like they should have a winning record. Wait a but, minute. Uh, they were playing like a team with a winning record. They were playing a little better lately. This is what yeah, happens but... at 1040 at night. Damn it. <laughs> I, I understand. No, they, they had the 12-4 and four DNA from last year, which is why I picked them along with yeah. you. But uh, yeah, I don't know what happened had... to that DNA. Yeah. That was right, because we went against the common wisdom, which says that the Kirk Cousins should roll up this team. Right. See, it takes – it was a week ago. We, you know how long a week ago? It's <laughs> a long time. A lot of things can happen in a week. No, but we'll, we'll still give uh, the, the Vikings and Kirk Cousins – Good job. The, Going on the road. Yeah, good job, Kirk. Detonating the Clippers 39-10 uh, in their own house, but <sighs> – Wow. The all week, all you heard about was how that, that was the Chargers, that they're the healthiest they've been all year, and oh my yeah. god. Oh my and seven, god. seven turnovers later, there are the LA Clippers, and that's why they're the Clippers. And that's why Phillip Rivers is Phillip Rivers, because he's, he's had some games that makes you think that he's about, about to pull an Eli and just be finished. Like, he's had some games where it's like, why did you throw that ball there? Why <laughs> I believe we that was Philip Rivers doing Jameis Winston things. Um, Wait a minute, Jameis has a patent on that. You can't do Jameis Winston things. You're Philip Rivers. You can't. If do you that. throw four touchdowns and three picks, you're doing Jameis Winston things. Because I believe yeah, that's, that's what Jameis's line looked like in that Tampa Detroit game. That's right. Yeah, Rivers didn't have the four touchdowns to go with all of his uh, interceptions. Four touchdowns, so. three picks. Man, nobody <laughs> could do it like Jameis. He's uh, someone totaled up a path for him to go 30-30 like he's Jose Canseco. And, that, of course, that's never been done in the NFL. <laughs> so, 30 picks. Holy crap. Yeah, so root for history tomorrow he, when, he, uh, when Jameis takes the field. I'm using this Jameis Winston things as a placeholder until I can come up with a legitimate nickname for this guy. Because <laughs> if anybody deserves a nickname, it is Jameis Winston. Um, I, I do want to go back for a moment now that I'm thinking about something um, because you saw, did you watch the bears Packer game? Yeah. I, I, I mean, so it, I, I want to go out and I want to take every possible moment I can as president and sole member of the Jake Kumaro fan club. Your to point out that play that he put on the Packers run, uh, on that catch and run up the sideline, basically making the entire Bears secondary whiff on him and looked like at one point that he was actually going to take that thing all the way to the house. 
Um, I just want to point that out that, you know, big supporter of Jake Kumaro here at in much less detail am I. And uh, I've been talking about this guy for a season and a half now, I believe, almost two full seasons. And I tell you, every time they get him on the field and throw him the ball, good things happen. And then they just go and they just, you know, they shelve him for a while. It's like Dusty Baker is is coaching the <laughs> uh, – if anybody gets that reference, good good for you. But, yeah, it, it's basically like, you know, hey, you just made a great play, so now you're going to sit on the bench for three weeks. And Aaron Rodgers in the post-game uh, press conferences is talking about how much he loves this guy and they want to get him more involved in the offense. Like, let this kid play because that play, and you know the play I'm talking about, was the only play he made. I, I do. Was was very impressive. It was. That, that's your guy. Every time I see him make any kind of play, I'm like, there, there's Jason's guy. He's been scouting him. <laughs> I imagine he would do a scout pad on the years. I've had other players over the years that I have. It's usually these in, these absurd, more of like obscure guys where I am the president and sole member. Like, I was the president and sole member of the Josh Freeman fan club forever. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. He was my guy. I was like, he never got a fair shake. I still say he never got a fair shake, but (laughs) damn it. Poor Josh Freeman. And now it's like, come on, give this, give Jake Kumaro some play. I was thinking about that today at work, that I wanted to make sure that I got that into the show. um, Because, man, that was a hell of a play. Freeman was being blackballed before Kaepernick made it cool. No, uh, every time I see Kumaro, I, I think about you, and that's your that's your boy. So I'll, I'll even though he didn't get in the end zone, I'll, I'll give him a hand. I'll give him some applause for that. Yeah, that that's your guy. I, when, when I say I watched the Bears Packers game, it sort of watched me because I was tired on Sunday. So it, it was the game <laughs> in the market and it was on, but I was fading yeah. in and out. Uh, on the couch there, so I had bits and pieces. I called that last play. Unfortunately, I was all uh, I was alert and awake for that, and I was like, "What the fuck?" Um, so I, I did see that part, but no, I, I saw the Kumaro catch as well, and yeah, very very impressive. Yeah, it's funny you bring up the Dusty Baker and the baseball analogy because I think we all you know have our guys that that never really pan out, but we were like, man, if they just got a real chance, if they got a fair shake. Yeah. They could have really done something, and I think we have more of those guys in baseball, uh, probably more so because of the, the big money fantasy league that we're in, and we know uh, these these guys that come up yeah. from the minors that were like, we got our eye on this guy. He's going to really be something, and so it's usually in baseball that we have those guys, um, but we have them every now and then in football, too. I was reading a MLB.com article that somebody wrote about uh, the they took every team – and put and pulled out the one guy off that team for the decade uh, for the 2010s that should have been something that you know the, sort of the biggest bust in their in their system, um, one from each team and right at, and it was unbelievable that I I nailed this like this. I only thought of one guy when I saw the premise, and it was the guy that wound up being right at the top of the list because they started in uh, order from the AL East, they've started from the divisions on down. And so the very first guy they name is from the uh, Toronto Blue Jays, uh, Doug Drabeck's kid, Kyle Drabeck. And sure. is the guy that I sat there uh, when he came in uh, to, to play against Memphis down here in AAA. And I was, uh, it was like the first game. It might've been the first game I ever scored uh, working for, uh, for baseball info solutions uh, all the way back in 2013. And I was so 
excited that this guy was going to come in and, and start because I heard so much about him and I was ready to see what he's all about. And all right, he, he's, he's the top prospect and he's just going to be ready to go. Let's see what he's got. And like the first pitch he threw was 94 into the ribs of the, the leadoff batter. And <laughs> it, it didn't get any better from there. Just balls all over the place, back wild pitches, hitting the backstop. And then we finally would guide it over to play to be right down the middle and get jacked somewhere. And I was like, okay, I see why he's still in the minors. All right, I get it. And he never uh, made anything of himself. So right off the yeah. bat, uh, first guy in that column. So, yeah, we all have our guys, uh, usually in baseball, but some in football too. Yeah. So there's sometimes you see a player and you're like, man, just get this guy. Give him more chances. I'm, 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 I don't want to be forever president and sole member of the Jake Kumaro fan club. I've been talking about this kid for two years. It feels like it's going to be four years from now. It's still going to be 2022 or 2023. And he's going to uh, have a game where he has three catches. People go, wow, they should give him more of a chance. <laughs> yeah. see what they got. Yeah, because uh, you some... saw a couple drops early in that game. I think it was Marquez Valdez-Scantling dropped an easy touchdown. Oh. right? And then, and then he got ghosted. I mean, they, he I was just was say, witness protection. did not see him. <laughs> no. You did. That was like, man, he dropped that easy touchdown, and then and then they go for that fourth down, and he drops the diamond on Devontae Adams to you know, kind of make up for that. But yeah, after Marquez Valdez Scantling dropped that easy touchdown catch, it was like he was just gone. Yeah, he, he, it was like I, got, I swear uh, I saw him over on the Bears sideline <laughs> talking to Matt Nagy, being told he had a hip pointer. <laughs> All right, you're, here's what's gonna happen: you got a hip pointer, and you got to sit down. Okay, this is what's gonna happen: you, you're hurt. I'm, I'm telling you right now, but you're I'm not hurt. hurt coach. And, and I feel fine. I'm, I'm, listen, you're not listening to me. Look, you're hurt. Okay, you, you got a hip pointer. You got to go sit down. But yeah, my hip feels fine. <laughs> no, no, I'm telling you, you, you still don't understand. <laughs> no, you, you're right. It was, it was like you were on a mega bus and then saw him get disappeared at a McDonald's. Uh, he, he, just got, he got yeah, he, he completely got Effingham. <laughs> I'm definitely not going to go down all of our losses uh, uh, from there, there week, were a lot uh, 15. Of them. There were a lot they of were them. Um, uh, the significant one uh, that I wanted to talk about was uh, the, the Titans finding a way to lose to the Houston Texans. Yeah, Tennessee had all the momentum. Game. It was a close it was, game. It was, but but Tennessee, for all of their top-notch play the, the last few weeks and all of their uh, – yeah. since. Uh, Ryan Tannehill got the the quarterback gig and how how great they've been playing and how awesome Derrick Henry has been and the play action and everything, all of that. But it, to me, it still looked like. And of course, I watched this game uh, with it being down here uh, in my market. The the past month plus, all that great play, they still don't know how to win a big game. They still don't know how exactly to get over the hump when there's a a game that's important. Uh, and they need to just go that extra mile to beat an, uh, an opponent that's there, that's present, that's good. Uh, and that's what the Texans were. They, the Texans weren't a, a juggernaut. They weren't the, the, the 1980s 49ers or anything like that. But they were there. They didn't go away. Uh, Sean Watson didn't go away. New Hopkins didn't go away. Uh, and they were just kind of there and, and going back and forth toe-to-toe all game with Tennessee. And they just found a way to, to not win. That, that interception by – Whitney Merciless was, was a fluke, but but that's what happens to, to the Titans. That's just that's what they do. They they find a way to lose. It's, it's sad that Derrick Henry can't hold up. It's sad that his 
hamstring is, is clearly still a problem. He can't dominate the way he he was. Uh, he, he had a, a a good run in the second quarter uh, before he went down. Uh, so he was trying. He was still out there, you know, kicking ass as much as he could. But he just he, he can't do it. He's he's got a bad hammy, and uh, the the interception to Merciless happened right after uh, Henry went down. So it was like immediate. Uh, the, the the field shifts, you know, you don't have to worry about uh, stacking up against the run because Deion Lewis is the backup running back and he's, his little ass isn't going to scare you at all. Uh, and then you can breathe and relax and drop back and, and, and make some plays. And, and that's what happened. And that's how Tennessee took that L. They're just, you know, they're, they're right there. They're on the cusp of being decent, but they're just not, not, not quite good enough. Now they're be- much better than if they'd have kept Mariota in there, clearly a quarterback, but they're still, uh, they're still missing something. Yeah, but they still, I mean, they've had a nice run here. Uh, mm-hmm. It doesn't have to end. They still are in wild card contention. Uh, as of right now, officially, even though we want them to die and go away, the Pittsburgh Steelers still technically <laughs> occupy the sixth seed because um, nothing would make me happier than to see the Steelers have to go right now to Kansas City. Oh, my God. <laughs> <sighs> but wouldn't that just be so Andy Reid to lose that game? Uh, yeah, it really would. The Titans, by the way, can still win. They went out, and the Texans found a way to lose these next two, uh, despite that yeah. win that Houston got. So, so it's they're still, still alive know, it's for all sorts of things. Yeah, one through seven is pretty much the issue right now in the AFC, where you're basically having just, you know, is it Pittsburgh, is it Tennessee, you know, or Houston, or but those three are the ones that are the three that are really, you know, everybody else is it. So it's those three, three, uh, two spots uh, for three teams right now. Technically, by by strings, the uh, Browns and Raiders are still in the in the playoff hunt as well, but they're yes. going to be eliminated very shortly, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, would you have would you have those two that are still technically in? That's when you start to get we get some weird shit going on next week where this team's got to lose and then this team's got to win by more than eight <laughs> points. And, Five other teams have to win or have to lose or tie. Yeah, yeah. and this reminds me of that year that I was desperate, so desperate to get the 49ers in because it was like the least likely scenario. You remember that? Yeah, there's like four or five different and, things that had to and happen. And like, no, it was like seven things had to happen. <laughs> and six of them happened, except the 49ers lost. Every right. single weird little playoff scenario thing that had to happen happened. Except, and then when it came time for the 49ers to take care of business, they lost their game. But if they had just won their game, all yeah. those other little weird things because of tiebreakers and strength of schedule and common opponents and points scored, all those little weird scenarios would have come true if the 49ers had just won their game. And I remember making my picks that week because it was week 17, so I was trying to make it fun. I mean, I won a hell of a lot of picks that week <laughs> because you I had sure every did. scenario. <laughs> right. Except for the 49ers. Um, and I don't tell like I'm a 49ers fan. I just wanted the weird shit to happen. Yeah, plus, we also, almost hate picking, we, we also hate picking games in week 17. <laughs> uh, and, oh, God. Yeah, we talked about that with the coin because it's it's such a coin flip. Yeah, and, and that's, next week. It's, it's coming. Hell is coming. And uh, yeah, you, I guess before we get into the pick portion of the show, we could we just shit for a few minutes on the Cleveland Browns? Dude. There's always time to shit on the Cleveland Browns. Damn, dudes! <laughs> you got 
blowed out by the yeah, Cardinals. Oh. Yeah, that was just a wow. Yeah, just Odell Beckham and, and Jarvis damn. Landry are sitting there on the sidelines with their heads between their legs while they're getting their ass whooped uh, in Arizona. Uh, and, and that was just a, an apropos look for both of them who have been captured on tape telling other teams, hey, come get me. Yeah. Well, I'm ready. Um, that that whole organization is just uh, it's a tire fire. It's it's a dumpster fire. It's it's a disaster. Uh, we've, we've talked about it so many times. That team, uh, without giving away too much, that whole thing and, and all the separate little uh, incidents that have gone into making that dumpster fire what it is, is going to have a very prominent place in my uh, end of awards ceremony. They, that is one of the legendary uh, all-time shit show seasons that they are putting together right now. And yeah. the fact that they're still in playoff contention in week 16, I don't know what that says about the, the rest of the AFC, but I don't think it's very good. Well, they've had some really good wins, but the the losses that they this should be a team because they were primed to go on this run, like they were supposed to go on this run where they had this super easy schedule and all they had to do, even though they had had all this adversity early, if they just could win these games late, they would have been like primed to go into the playoffs. They could have won ten games, and it was all lined up right there for the Cleveland Browns. They have the talent. You know, again, this is like if you're playing Madden, you're not upset if you random pick the Cleveland Browns. They've got this that video l- game talent, that's right. They do. This is a loaded squad. There's skill position players. They've got the running back. They've got defense, and you know. And, I mean, crazy, just crazy. And then they go to the desert, and they just get their doors blown off by that team. Oh. Another rookie and how is Freddie quarterback and coaching? The- because it's the Cleveland Browns. Um, they want stability. They're probably, right. They're probably not going to fire him uh, this year because they would be admitting a really yeah. stupid mistake if they did. No team has more stability than the Cleveland Browns. They suck every year. You can't get more stable than that. That's very stable. That's that's like stable. very stable that's, geniuses. That's, that's, <laughs> that's as stable as you can get. We suck all the time. Uh, yeah, that's the, 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 it's the Browns. What can you say? It's it's Man, the Cleveland. Browns. There's a reason uh, why Brown Fever is not a good analogy on this show more often than not, <laughs> and what it represents. But man, a lot of people had the Brown Fever this year. You know how many people? Oh man, Cleveland's going to the playoffs. Cleveland's hot shit. Baker Mayfield's on every goddamn commercial under the sun. Neither one, neither one of us fell into that trap. By the way. Oh, no. I, I did not have them in the playoffs. I, I thought that it was good that they were not going to suck for for a change. That they weren't going to be eight. complete trash. Six and, but this is a 6-8 and eight where you're like, oh, okay, if this is an improving team, 6-8 and eight's no, you know, no big deal. And then you look at the talent on that roster and you see 6-8 and eight and you're like, ooh, ooh, someone's losing their job. But 7-9-ish, and 8-8-ish, eight and eight-ish, that's about what I thought they'd be. I thought eight wins would be a good year for them. You got to remember, their baseline is about three. So this is still pretty damn successful for them. By by Cleveland Browns standards, this is still a good year for them. And that's pretty much what I was saying at the beginning of the year was everyone's going crazy thinking the Browns are like legit Super Bowl contenders, and it's only because they're happy that they're not going to be complete trash. And that's good. They should be happy that they're not complete trash, but don't get 
crazy. Don't get don't act like this is actually a good team because they're not. Right. But they're not. They're, they're not. Yeah. Garbage, what I, what I don't think people expected was the was all the drama and the sideshow yeah. and Miles Garrett jacking a dude over the head with his helmet. <laughs> you know, just I don't think anybody expected that. And then the bad losses. It's like you know, if you're a team that's up and coming. You know, you generally could take care of business against the bad teams. You know, that's what you see a lot. You know, and then they'll but they'll struggle. You know, they'll have they'll struggle mightily against the good teams. They'll struggle against the Steelers. They'll struggle against the the Ravens. Oh, they beat the Ravens. They beat the Ravens <laughs> like a drum. Right. Get the rematch. And then they lose to the Arizona days. Cardinals. Of course, that makes perfect sense. Uh, two uh, two more real quick, and then we'll move on. Uh, just that the what the one loss and one win what the for both of us what the brown uh not the browns what the chiefs did in the snow to what i think is a pretty good broncos defense should frighten the hell out of the entire afc because pat mahomes acted like this was just winter wonderland and was just throwing it around like it was nothing um and everyone else is slipping and sliding and, and looking crazy um, that was uh, that was surgical what the Chiefs did to the Broncos. That was very impressive. That was the one where I was on the fence completely because I had the Chiefs winning by ten, and that's what the spread was. So I had to pick one side or the other. And yeah. I, oh, the Broncos D has been pretty good lately. I think they'll they'll hang in there. Ugh. They didn't do shit. They, they didn't do shit. Well, their um, offense and, didn't do anything after right. the yeah. after the Drew Lock game the week before where he looked so good. And can, Kansas City's defense has been sneakily getting better. Um, it's not getting talked about because everybody talks about Patrick Mahomes, but yeah, Kansas city's D is improving and that could be really, you know, they don't have to be Buffalo or Baltimore or San Francisco or new England because they have the offense to make up for it. Cause they can score from anywhere at any time. Unlike a lot of these other teams, you know, other than, you know, the Ravens don't have like that, like quick strike ability so much more. The Ravens just wear you down. Um, they 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 can get the big plays. I think their big plays were more early in the season, but right now the Ravens they just go on these drives, man. They just kill you. Like you can't yeah, get the they... Ravens off the field. The Chiefs will just Patrick Mahomes will just be like, ah, oh, what the hell? I'll have three guys hanging on me. I'll jump in the air and throw an eighty-yard touchdown pass. Yeah. Another freaking Superman. So. So that's frightening on one side of the uh, of the of that conference, and then on the other side of the uh, on the NFC. What Drew Brees and the Saints did to the Colts on Monday night should scare the fuck out of the entire NFC because you talk about surgical and uh, every pass complete except for one and setting an all-time completion record. Drew Brees right now has decided to turn into the hottest quarterback in football, and that's definitely not something I saw coming. I was upset because after the game when he set the completion percentage record that they didn't come out and (laughs) give him the little Kinko's award. Yeah. Where, where's the sheet of paper? Where's the the, the certificate to, to commemorate this wonderful, wonderful moment? <laughs> it wasn't even framed. <laughs> Just here. Good piece of paper the, for you. Congratulations, saddest, buddy. It was the saddest award ever. It stopped the whole game, and here comes the dude running off with something that just came off of his HP, you know, like a inkjet, you know, printer. Oh, my God. Quick, make something up for Drew. He has to turn uh, his poor, poor family, his wife. It's, cause, can someone hold this thing for me? Can someone please take the – it's like if you graduate from college and they give you a diploma and, and they don't have a frame or a board or anything. <laughs> Here, here's a piece of paper. Congratulations. It's a pamphlet. I don't have to drop it and, and get mud on it or something. 
We could have just written it on a napkin and run it out there for him. Basically what they did. Oh, man. Okay. Yeah, we, we definitely had our blast with the uh, with the Kinko paper. <laughs> yeah, that was last year, right? That was yeah. last season. But we got we got to do all 16 tonight, so time Ooh. is of the essence. Luckily for us, right. most of the games on Sunday are trash. <laughs> yeah, we don't, you're saying we don't have to expand on a lot of these games on Sunday? Just uh, Yeah, there mm-hmm. are some bad games. We pick them all, though. We do. We never have to expand. I wind up expanding as a, as a way to explain how I got to my pick. Uh, we don't have to, and I don't have to, and I, I need to keep that in mind when, uh, when making some of these picks. Uh, but I'll, I'll try to keep it to a minimum on a lot of them. Uh, before we get to those picks, of course, time to let you know about where you can listen to this fine, fine show. Uh, blogtalkradio.com slash in much less detail. That is the website that you can go to listen to us live. That's the only place you can listen live is on a computer on this website. Blogtalkradio.com slash in much less detail. The uh, previously mentioned uh, archives of the past seven seasons are also on the website. You can go look at any of our previous episodes and give them a listen. Some of them are pretty funny and pretty good. Some of them are pretty bad, and some of them have really terrible sound quality. But, you know, you get what you pay for. Uh, This show is available on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, any different number of podcasting apps, including TuneIn and MixCloud and Player.fm. Uh, You can go subscribe on any one of those sites and get the show downloaded. Uh, You would get this live show and you would get an after show as well. We are two hours live tonight and whatever after show that we do after that. Uh, You can communicate with the show via email. You would send that to inmuchlessdetail at gmail.com. You can follow Jason on Twitter at IMLDJTG. And you can follow me on Twitter at IMLDJRE. And you can go to our blog to see our picks after the show is over. The picks will be up for this week and ready for you to view. And the website for our blog is in much less detail dot blogspot dot com. 16 games in week 16. And here we go with all of them, starting with the triple header tomorrow night on NFL network. And I, I don't know how you feel about it. I like in general, the, idea of waiting until later in the season to flex these games uh, for week 16 uh, for Saturday night, because normally the Saturday games, I have very clear, vivid memories throughout all these many years of us watching football of those Saturday games in week 16 and week 15 uh, during the, during the uh, past season that a lot of times those games were bad because they scheduled them at the beginning of the year, didn't know who would be good, didn't know who would be bad. And you get a lot of Jets action and you get a lot of uh, Giants. You get a lot of New York teams in there because you know you're going to get a good rating. You don't know how good the team's going to be. Uh, and, you know, sometimes you just get a lot of bad matchups. This time they waited and said, okay, here's we're going to flex these games. you got six teams all at – 500 or better and you got a much better selection and no New York teams. And that's always a good thing. Yeah. We used to get some really bad. So, cause these would all just be predetermined. So uh, right. NFL with the flex scheduling has really hit a home run here. They, they've, they've done, I wish they could do it for Monday night games. Cause you know, it's, it's so sad for whoever has the Monday night contract that the Sunday night games end up always being such quality usually. And then the Monday night games, it's just, it's just random chance if the game is going to be any good. 
Right. Well, you, know, you can't can't win them all. You can't flex them all into great games because then you might have what you have this week, which is the Sunday slate, which is again is mostly trash. But before that, the Saturday night game, Saturday afternoon games, uh, and the night game tomorrow coming up, and we will start picking those games right now. First at uh, is twelve o'clock. Central, 1 o'clock Eastern? Is it, is it the regular, like, 12, 3.30, 7 o'clock schedule for Saturday? I think so. I think so. I didn't get too involved in what the time starts are for tomorrow because, I mean, I'll be at work all day, so whenever the game starts, right. I'll put it on. Yep. So I think uh, the normal uh, sort of noonish uh, Sunday-type schedule for the times as far as tomorrow goes. But we know the first game is the Houston Texans at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Texans at 9-5, and five, Tampa at 7-7. Seven and seven. And Deshaun Watson versus Jameis Winston, so looks like another version of YOLO ball. Uh, got YOLO Fest Part Two. Uh, the Texans at nine and five are three-point favorites on the road at Jameis Winston and the Buccaneers. The interesting thing is you're gonna, you know, you're gonna get probably any combination of three touchdowns and three picks out of Jameis Winston. <laughs> so it's gonna turn into what? do the Houston Texans do with those three picks or where do those three picks happen on the field? I have to say, I've been somewhat impressed with the bucks. They, 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 the records, what seven and seven, they've held, they've held it together. They could end up having a winning season or a 500 season. If you had told me that at the beginning of the year, I would have never in a million years thought that the bucks would amount to anything. Um, where the Texans, you know, they've been very uh, heckle and jide here. You know, they, they they can look great. They beat the Patriots, and they go and they get their doors blown off by the Broncos, and then they win a tough one against the Titans, and now they've taken control of that division back. So since you're a heckle and jide team, I'll take the Bucks to win. Yep, why not? Um, however, the, the Bucks again, you know, the the injuries. Uh, Mike Evans was the the favorite target of James. He got hurt. A couple weeks ago Now Chris Godwin who was the next favorite target Now he's hurt and he's not going to play Tomorrow uh, It doesn't matter it, it, James, James Winston is, doesn't care He's throwing it to somebody James Winston is going to do James Winston things. doesn't matter who the receivers are on the field or No it doesn't uh, matter who the receivers or the defenders are He's throwing the ball somebody's going to catch it Someone on the field is going to catch the ball It doesn't matter what uniform they're wearing Sometimes it's somebody in the stands that's going to catch the ball It doesn't have to even have a uniform but someone is going to catch these balls that Jameis is throwing up. Uh, there's no reason to think that Jameis won't have another big game because it's the Houston Texans defense, and they've been noticeably worse since J.J. Watt got hurt. Uh, can Deshaun Watson and New Hopkins keep up with them? Uh, and the other question is probably the most important, what swayed my pick is, will Shaq Barrett keep up with Deshaun Watson and New Hopkins? Because Shaq Barrett has been doing some serious damage for the Buccaneers up to 16 and a half sacks on the year. So uh, I, I think uh, Jameis will do Jameis things and, and get Tampa in the twenties and uh, Deshaun Watson will try to keep up, but he's going to feel that pressure and, and uh, people bearing down on Deshaun Watson makes him do some bad things and, and makes him stand there in the pocket and panic a little bit. And I think that's going to happen uh, tomorrow. So I will agree with you and take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And, of course, in the afternoon game tomorrow, it's the Bills and the Patriots that everyone's been talking about. 10-4 and four Buffalo, 11-3 and three New England. The Bills still technically have a chance to win the AFC East this year, and I am absolutely still stunned about that. 
the public is thinking like you did last week. It's the Patriots, and this is how they operate, and they come up and step up when they have to. And as a result, the 10-4 and four Bills are six-and-a-half-point underdogs at the 11-3 and three Patriots. You know, I go back to the first game up in Buffalo, and the Patriots were – the Bills really gave them uh, all they could handle up in Buffalo. And only if it were not for Josh Allen getting hurt late in that game and Matt Barkley coming in and throwing two picks on drives where the Bills were moving the ball to potentially um, – go in to maybe take the lead or win the game. Um, if it wasn't for, I think, Josh Allen getting hurt, we maybe would have had a different outcome the first time. Um, I, I, every, anytime you give the Bills almost a touchdown, I'm going to take the value there because you don't blow them out. They don't blow you out. I'm not saying the Patriots aren't going to win because um, this is the, the kind of game that you think the Patriots will show up for and they will win. But, man, that Buffalo defense, I mean, they, they went down and they got down early in Dallas and they came back. They just, they just, you cannot shake these guys. Tom Brady is playing just completely inept at the quarterback position right now. He, he looks just awful. And that Buffalo secondary is their strength. You can run on this team, but I don't think the Patriots have the ability to do a lot of damage on the ground. I don't like particularly like their running game. Their running game is their short passing game, and uh, they're going to get after Brady. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take. This, I'm going to take these points because that just you have to. I mean, the Patriots should. The Patriot. This should be. If this wasn't the Patriots and these weren't the Bills, this would be a three-point spread. This would be a cop-out line. This is two teams with winning records. They're both already in the playoffs. I don't understand the, 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 all the Bills hate in the spreads this year. Yeah, a lot of disrespect. A lot of people maybe feel like me that hey, they got a, a, a project, a quarterback, and you haven't heard of too many of these other guys, and, and just no name recognition, no big stars. So, yeah, that, that's how we are. We're a society basically of star fuckers, and we don't see any stars on the Bills. So, uh, they, they keep getting that disrespect. Uh, you mentioned that Week Four game between uh, New England and Buffalo, uh, a slow-moving taffy pull that the Patriots win. 16 to 10 behind four interceptions that the defense has been holding up the Patriots pretty much all year long. Uh, there was three picks for project and, and one for Matt ah, Barkley, but okay. uh, just no traction at all for the Patriots offense uh, and, and bailed out basically by the defense in the end. Um, there's also the fact that Julian Edelman is a dead man walking. Like everyone has been commenting on how awful he looks out there because uh, he's obviously banged up and, and everyone's banged up at this time of year, but he's really looking like he needs to, to take a rest, but he can't because there's no other uh, reliable receivers on this entire team. So you think Tom Brady is angry and, and screaming now. Can you imagine if Edelman wasn't playing and, and what he'd be doing with the guys that are left remaining out there? Uh, so it, it's certainly not looking good for the Patriots offense. It doesn't look like it's getting any better anytime soon. But I'm going to look at what you had last week and, and talk about the Patriots and sort of in their DNA to just figure things out. Again, they were tied at halftime with the Cincinnati fucking Bengals. And it looked like the Bengals were giving them all like they could handle. And then they went in and watched that tape and figured out their signals in the second half or something, uh, which of course I joke about, but the point is the Patriots have it in their DNA to do what they got to do. Um, and, and I 
have grudgingly respected that over the years. I've tried to trash it all year and say that they're just relying on that rotation and paper check. They can't get it done anymore this year. Uh, I don't want to put too much value in them coming back and, and whooping the Bengals because that's the Bengals. That's clearly one of the worst teams, maybe the worst team in the league. But I didn't think they were capable of doing that. I was surprised by that. Uh, this is New England with a second look at a division rival, which kind of frightens me as well. That They already know how to make adjustments, and they're playing a team that they've played once already this year. Uh, so I imagine they're going to have even more tricks up their sleeve for project and force them into some more mistakes and, and interceptions. Uh, should be another low-scoring taffy pool. I'm going to take the, the Patriots and give the six-and-a-half because I – just bet they win somehow by seven or 10 or, or something like that on, on a late uh, interception or pick six or something goofy like that. It's just, it's, it's in their DNA. Uh, and you pulled that out last week and you won with that. And, and I'm going to pull it out this week and, and we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you in general. I don't think that the bills should be disrespected like that to be uh, almost a touchdown dog uh, against a team that they're only one game worse than. But uh, just something about the Patriots. So yeah, I'll I'll, uh, I'll go with the Patriots this one time uh, and, and see uh, how that works out for me. And Saturday night football after that uh, could be interesting. Could be a blowout. We don't really know because one of the teams playing is completely unpredictable, and the other one just lost to the Atlanta Falcons. So who the hell knows? But the uh, Los Angeles Rams and the San Francisco 49ers on Saturday night football. Uh, the eight and six Rams still battling. Uh, I think they're still technically alive for a playoff spot. Uh, six and a half point underdog with the 11 and three. I wouldn't want to be the team facing the 49ers after that egg they laid against Atlanta last week. This is not going to happen two weeks in a row. The Rams, here we go. Road golf. We get road golf again. I know it's not, you're not going that far. But we get Jared Goff on the road against this top-tier defense. I mean, are they, are they going to? Is Gurley going to be able to get going? Are those receivers are going to be able to get going? The 49ers are probably really. They just had that huge win. Had looked like they had home field sewn up, and then they go and they completely shit the bed against the Atlanta Falcons last week. So early in the week, I had entertained the thought of uh, taking the Rams here, but then man. I, I just keep thinking back to that game against the Cowboys, and it's like they just look completely – that, that's a completely inferior opponent. What are they going to do now? Now that all the hope looks like it's lost, I think you could see them ripe for, uh, ripe for a blowout here. So I'm going to go ahead and take the Niners and give all the points. Gerald Everett uh, schedules to return back for the L.A. Rams at tight end. They've been doing well before with Tyler Higby, so uh have to fit him back in there. Uh, for the 49ers, expect Richard Sherman and Kwan Williams back. They both uh, appear to be only going to miss the one week at cornerback. Uh, still no Jaquiski Tart, their, their safety. He's still hurt. Uh, in week six, uh, San Fran went to uh, L.A. in the Coliseum and knocked them off 20-7. to seven. Uh, And you want to talk about some ugly. This wasn't road golf. This was home golf, and it was still as ugly as you could imagine. 13 of 24. For 78 yards uh, and four sacks, 78 yards uh, in in uh, an entire game. The, there were no other quarterbacks that played for the Rams. It was all Jared Goff, and he only managed to get up to 78 yards. And so now we got road golf in Santa Clara that could be ugly. Uh, 
but it might not be because uh, Atlanta just had some fun against the San Fran secondary. So you kind of have to hesitate a little bit when you think about that. But uh, in the end, I'm going to agree with you. Take San Fran, give the six and a half. Their defense, kind of like New England, has been their bedrock all year. Um, And I think they're going to come through again, uh, especially with the history this year of what they've already done to Jared Goff one time. I, I don't see a reason why they can't do uh, something similar to that. If golf doubles that, that's 170 or something like that. That still sucks. Uh, so I will take San Fran and, uh, and agree with you there. On to the Sunday action. We will start here in Tennessee with the New Orleans Saints coming in and visiting the Titans. The Titans now at eight and six, hanging on, trying to fight for five still, technically in contention for a wild card and for the division title. Uh, the New Orleans Saints. Who knows if they're going to keep playing the way they've been playing, but they are on a roll right now. Uh, the 11-3 and three Saints are favorites. They give two and a half points at the 8-6 and six Titans. You know, it seems like it's been real popular this week that the Titans here are a real hot play. I'm not buying it. Um, I just think that there's – that New Orleans has been playing too good lately. This doesn't feel like a spot where I think that the Titans can keep up. I don't like that the Titan, the Titan, ah, this game. Sorry. I just don't like it. I'm going to take the Saints, even though everything I have been seeing all week has everybody just thinking that the Titans are hot shit and they're going to spring up here and they're going to beat the Saints. I don't see it. I don't see it at all. I can tell the English. You wanted to be the contrarian and and go with the Titans to, to knock off the Saints. I did. Uh, looks like we got some. <laughs> what was the mic secondary now? Uh looks like we might have some rain in the forecast for this one. Can't so do it. That that adds a little more trepidation to maybe taking the Saints because they're off the dome. They're uh as hot as Drew Brees has been. Uh there this is a huge test for the New Orleans offense that looks like they're rounding into shape right as playoff time is approaching and, and playing their best. But here they are, they're out of the dome. Uh it's a tough team that's a tough defense and the titans they're they're tough they're hungry they're desperate they they should come out and, and play a, a really good game they really need this game badly uh but derrick henry is still hobbled I, I watched him run he's not anywhere near the derrick henry that he had been in the second half of the season uh, ever since ryan Tannehill got insulted at quarterback uh man when you talk about uh trying to put a percentage when you see somebody play and, and what, what percentage they're going at. Derrick Henry did not even look like he's going at like 80 or 85%. He looked like he's going about 60-something percent out there and still busting through some guys and still making some yardage but not finishing off plays the way he was, certainly not getting in the open field and, and exploding and, and picking up any kind of speed at all. He's, he's got a, a bad hammy and it's not going to have time to get any better because you got to play every game. They're not, you know, they're not going to have that bye week, obviously. Uh, and you just got to keep grinding and keep playing. Not much you can really do. Uh, so that time of year, you know, you got to got to fight through it. Uh, I, I don't think that's going to be enough. Uh, Derrick Henry at fifty five percent is not enough to keep that offense balanced the way that it ha- the way that it had been ever since Tannehill got installed. Uh, at quarterback. So I can see the Saints sort of easing off a little bit. You, you can't take too many guys out of the box with Derrick Henry because he'll still embarrass you. But 
they, they don't have to worry about him quite as much as, as they would if he were completely healthy. Uh, so I'm going to take the Saints. Uh, I'm going to agree with you and give the two and a half. Uh, I wanted to take Tennessee as well because they're they're desperate and they really need it, but uh, I don't see how they pull it off. On to the Jaguars and the Falcons, two five and nine teams doing battle, scintillating. Uh, the Jaguars. Both of our Super Bowl uh, teams here. Oh my goodness, is, is that's correct? I hadn't even realized that. Wow. Sorry, sorry. Oh. Oh. And as bad as the Falcons had been, they might wind up better than the Jags. They might have a better record. It's it's amazing. Uh, the Jags are uh, seven and a half. There's a hook on that seven and a half yeah. point dogs down in the dome at the Falcons. I'm just bargain hunting here. I don't think the Falcons are seven and a half points better than anybody. I don't think they'd have played at all. I mean, is this just uh, hey, they beat the 49ers. Let's give them a touchdown and a hook. Oh my God. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You know, Jacksonville just went on the road. Uh, Jacksonville just flew cross country and went to Oakland and beat that team. I don't see any reason why the Jags can't stay within seven and a half of the Falcons. So I don't have any scintillating breakdown of this one other than the fact that I'm just, I'm just, I'm playing the number here. I'm taking those points. Yeah, I can't be trusted in any assessment of the Falcons because they were my Super Bowl team <laughs> um, before the but beginning they beat of the, the year. The Saints and, and the 49ers. Ah! <laughs> That's just gonna drive you nuts. Uh, yeah, they, they they they've shown some flashes. They they've shown what has what what made them. I thought a, a Super Bowl uh, contending team and. Uh, I've, I've read they may be saving Dan Quinn's job, which I just find that hard to believe. I think there's, I, I still think Arthur Blank is firing him as soon as the season's over as well. But they have had some impressive ones. There's no denying that. Um, I I don't have any other uh, thing to add. I'm agreeing with you for the pretty much the same reason that I think that's just too big of a spread for the Falcons. The way they they've been way too inconsistent this year to justify being favored by that much over anybody. And the Jags are, are pretty much mailing it in and quitting to get their uh, vice president or uh, executive president, Tom Coughlin, to get him fired. Uh, they got the clock back and he's doing something stupid in the, in the, in the facilities where he had all the clocks turned like five minutes ahead because he wanted to make sure everybody was Five minutes early to everything. That's old school. So all... That's some old school stuff right there. That's like Vince Lombardi old school stuff. Yeah, in, in 2019. Uh, no, doesn't get work. Out. Doesn't work. So, uh, the Jags have been quitting, but maybe with with Coughlin fired, that sort of turns them back a little bit and gives them a little boost. I don't know, but uh, I just I agree that Atlanta shouldn't be favored by that much. The uh, Baltimore Ravens and the Cleveland Browns in the uh, Model Bowl two. And the very first thing anyone needs to know about this matchup before I'd say any other information is that, and you mentioned it already earlier in the show, yes, in week four, the Cleveland Browns went up to Baltimore and beat the hell out of them uh, 40-25 to yeah. uh, behind 342 yards and a touchdown from Baker Mayfield and 165 yards rushing and three touchdowns out of Nick Chubb. They just destroyed the uh, the Baltimore Ravens. They put up 30 of those 40 points in the second half alone. Uh, so with that knowledge, the 12-2 and two Baltimore Ravens, who have looked invincible since then, uh, are now 10-point favorites on the road going to the 6-8 and eight Cleveland Browns. 
I have a feeling, this is scant three months ago, but I have a feeling that the Baltimore <laughs> Ravens remember this uh, and are going to be you know, more than happy to go back in there and uh, repay the Cleveland Browns in kind. Uh, no Miles Garrett, obviously, because he thrashed his helmet, you know, Mason Rudolph's <laughs> helmet over his own head. Um, but that's the guy who probably would have been able to work on containing Lamar Jackson. And now they don't have that either. And you talk about dumpster fires, tire fires, you know, Chernobyl-style meltdowns. That is the Cleveland Browns this season. I mean, this is as bad as it gets, and it's going to just keep going downhill. You just went to the desert and got blown out by the Arizona Cardinals. Baltimore is playing to lock up home field throughout the playoffs. I think they want to win this game desperately so that they can rest Lamar Jackson in, that, in those legs uh, next week in a game that would be you know, rendered completely meaningless for them because they'll have the number one seed all sewn up. I expect them to have this cover by halftime. I'm locking <laughs> this shit up. Give me the Ravens. Uh, I don't know how to to look at the Cleveland Browns. I don't know how to lock them, go against them, lock them in. I don't know what the hell to think of the Cleveland Browns because everything that they do correct is when I think that they've completely mailed it in and, and quit on the organization and quit on themselves. And then when I think they've turned it around and now they're going to play the way they're supposed to, that's when they go to Arizona and get their doors blown off by a rookie quarterback and a, and a 14-year-old coach. So I, I don't know. I just completely throw my, my hands up at the Cleveland Browns. I said, I even said last week that I should go intuitively against any inkling of what the Cleveland Browns should do. All, all the rest of the year, whatever they should do, I should go against that because that's how crazy they played all year. And therefore, I should have gone against them, against Arizona, because, they, oh, it's Arizona. They're, they're going to kill the Cardinals. And, of course, the Cardinals killed them. Uh, so I'm going to go back on that. I'm going to do a little uh, hoping and praying for some old school that's oh, Ravens. And uh, I'm, I'm going to take the Browns into 10 points because, intuitively, I shouldn't do that. I should go with exactly what you just said, ah. that the Ravens remember what happened uh, of, of a few scant months ago. Uh, and should come in and, and want to exact some revenge on the Cleveland Browns. I think they, they will remember that. I think they will try to exact some revenge. And therefore, I'll take Cleveland to show up and, and, and play and, and represent themselves wow. well because it doesn't make any damn sense. You know, I, got, I don't want to point this out, but since the lock intervention, I've been doing pretty well. <laughs> yeah. I believe I was behind you back when we had the lock intervention. Uh, and d- d- don't I don't want to go back and look at my lock record because it's it's pathetic. No, I'm trying to I'm trying to get in your head right now. Don't worry, I'm in my own head. The uh, Pittsburgh Steelers and the New York uh, Jets, not the Giants. Uh, Doug Boy, uh, Doug Hodges, and the eight and Pittsburgh Steelers. They're they're still rooting around there and and trying to fight for a. a, 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 a are they eliminated? No. The uh, no, they're Steelers. I, I, they're they're six. I was looking at the. They're uh, six. The, we thought in, they were, but, you yeah. know. But no, they're they're still hanging around. I think that's me rooting and wishing for them to be eliminated. Was yeah, I, I don't want them. There. I don't want them anywhere. <laughs> I don't want them anywhere near the playoffs. But it may happen. Uh, the uh, they're 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 still in the playoffs at the moment. Uh, they are three point favorites on the road at uh, Ghost Boy Sam Darnold. And the five and nine New York Jets. Duck boy or ghost boy? Who you got? 
as much as it pains me to take the Pittsburgh Steelers here because I want their season to end unceremoniously and not see this team anywhere near the playoffs because they're going to get blown out. But I'm going to have to take them here. The Jets seem to be a sexy pick this week. Like everybody thinks that the Jets are just they're going to spring up and they're going to just be able to all of a sudden, you know, compete with a much better team in the Pittsburgh Steelers than they are, especially on the defensive side of the ball. We know how much Sam Darnold loves playing really good defenses. Uh, and, and he doesn't. So while the Jets have shown perfectly capable of beating bad teams, the Steelers do at least qualify as a mediocre team, maybe a little slightly better than mediocre. So I'm going to go ahead and take the Steelers here, even though I don't want to. And even though a lot of what I've seen this week is saying, I'll take the Jets, take the Jets. I don't, I don't get it. The same thing with the Titans, Titans and the Jets. I don't get either one of those two where all the love is coming in for those teams this week. You know, I, the only thing that I can see with the Jets is they've had some uh, uh, similar to the Browns and similar to the Falcons. They've had some wins this year where you scratch your head and go, how'd they do that? And the Jets deep, beat the hell out of the Cowboys earlier this year in a game that no one saw that one coming uh, at that time. Uh, the Cowboys are like really hot shit at that at that time. Uh, Sam Darnold has some some moments he has some, he has shown some flashes uh, and he has some times where uh, he plays really good football uh, he, he doesn't have the talent surrounding him but you you watch him you get the feeling that if they ever get some real receivers surrounding him that he's got a chance to, to be kind of decent so uh, that, that's better than a lot of these young uh, quarterbacks that come in uh, Jamal Adams looks to return from injury for uh, for the Jets to safety he had been playing it better than any other player on the whole team when he got hurt. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster uh, is looking to return for the Steelers, but he says it's up to Coach Mike Tomlin exactly how much he's going to play. So it sounds like he's not going to be out there, you know, for 70 or 80% of the plays, anything crazy like that. Uh, Pittsburgh, you would think, would bounce back here. But, man, like I said, the Jets have produced some shockers this year. Um, so I'm, I'm not feeling very confident about it because – T.J. Watt and Bud Dupree can, can play Casper and, and show some goals to, to Sam Darnold. There's no doubt about that. But I think this might be one of those, that, that he kind of comes through and, and has a, a surprising good game and knocks off the Steelers. So I'm going to take the sexy pick, and I will go with Gang Green. Moving on to the Bengals and the Dolphins. 1-13 versus 3-11. Yeah. Uh, the, the Dolphins, I think, had started out or opened as favorites, and, and people were like, no, we, we can't abide by that. So uh, as of this moment, the Bengals at 1-13 are the one-point favorite on the road at the 3-11 Dolphins. Oh, the Dolphins are cover machines. Why, would, why on earth would I? Daniel Jones, first of all, who cares? It's like all of a sudden it's like, oh, the, the big news this week is that Eli Manning got benched again because Daniel Jones is back. And he's like, it's Daniel Jones, everybody. Give me the Dolphins to win. Uh, you do realize they're playing Andy Dalton and the Bengals, right? Oh, my God. I had them playing the Giants. <laughs> it's 1134, people. <laughs> Take everything I just said and switch Daniel Jones to Andy Dalton, and I still have the same pick. Okay. There, there we go. Um, oh, also, yeah. by the way, that means I have the Redskins. <laughs> by the way. <laughs> by the way. So I don't want to talk about that game either, that piece of shit game. 
But that's that's funny. You you use that terminology because for uh, Bengals Dolphins, I had wrote down stinking pile of poo. That, that's what this game is. <laughs> that's your note. So, yes, that, that's exactly what my put it. Um, it. It'll be raining. It'll be dreary. It'll be disgusting. And I'll, I'll take the Dolphins because we pick them all, and because they're at home, I guess. Uh, on to the. Giants and the Redskins. Now you can talk about uh, how Daniel Jones is no better than Eli Manning. Redskins. <laughs> All that same and... stuff I just said about <laughs> Daniel Jones now applies to the real Daniel Jones. <laughs> three and eleven Giants are one point dogs at the three and eleven Redskins, and you have the Redskins clearly. Um, yeah, back to Danny Dimes. Um, I, because Eli is no real better than, than Danny Dimes, I'm going to take the Giants because I think Eli could fillet and toss up the, the Redskins just as easily uh, as Danny Dimes might do. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and take the G-men. Uh, don't feel too great about it, but that's who I got in that one. Uh, and that's I actually, about I wanted to say about the Redskins. It's interesting because I had the Dolphins in beating the Giants, but the Redskins have been playing more competitive lately. The Redskins they, had they that cover stolen from us last week because of the crazy shenanigans at the end of the Eagles game. They played the um, they played the Packers really tough on the road. I actually think the Redskins and Dwayne Haskins, even though he's not very good, the Redskins, their defense has been playing a little bit. They've been sneaky. Um, I think they're sneaky enough here to win this game. And I, the only reason you and I care about this game now is because we're opposed on a game that means absolutely nothing. Correct. That's the only reason we care. Um, I didn't know we were digging into it at all, but I'll just say that the Redskins secondary has been trash and continues to be trash, and now they're hurt and trash. And if I learn anything about uh, Eli Manning's two stars is that he's got a good one there in Darius Slayton, that, that wide receiver. So uh, maybe Danny Dimes will notice that and, and make some, some noise with him as well. So that's pretty much where I go with that one. On to the Panthers and the Colts. Uh, they're not complete trash, but they're uh, not in the playoff picture either, uh, both teams. Carolina at 5-9, and nine, they are 6.5-point underdogs at the 6-8 and eight Indianapolis Colts. Okay, here, I'm going to make sure I'm looking at the pick and I can see the two <laughs> teams that are playing here. I know that we have Will Greer going under center now for yes. – the Carolina Panthers is so the Kyle Allen era is apparently uh, ceasing here for a little while. And yeah, Carolina, they get their coach fired. They have pretty much gone in the tank since then. We've seen some teams here with some really harsh second half fades, like the, the, the Raiders and the Panthers. But wait a minute. One of those teams having this really harsh second half fade is the Colts which mm-hmm. makes this really hard for me to predict where to go here, but I'm going to still go ahead and take the Indianapolis Colts here at home. I still think they're the better team. I don't know what Will Greer is going to do. I, I don't know this guy from fuck all. I don't so, either. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, give me the Colts. Even though we just watched the Colts last, you know, on Monday, get their doors just completely blown off by the New Orleans Saints. But something tells me Will Greer and Drew Brees, eh, not quite the same guy. <laughs> not quite. Uh, we don't know who Will Greer is. Well, who is Will Greer? Well, all I can do is what I've been doing with these kids this year. Go to the sort of Roto World scouting report and, and see what they had to say about him before he got drafted into the league. Uh, this is his rookie year. He's a third-round pick out of West Virginia. 
he was a riser in the up the draft boards after his pro day. He was one of those guys that you didn't hear much about him, but then he has a, a great pro day. He looked great in shorts with nobody defending him, and, and all of a sudden he was rising up the boards. Uh, they were talking uh, that he might be a late, like, first rounder at some point. He wound up going uh, in the third round to uh, to the Carolina Panthers. Uh, he's, he's accurate, and uh, th- there was some thought about his arm strength, but he wound up, uh, again, the, with the pro day stuff, having, uh, I think, the hardest uh, – Velocity of all the uh, of all the quarterbacks when you actually put them on under the gun. I think he got it up to 59 miles an hour, um, and he's got a sort of a gunslinger mentality, sort of the fearless gunslinger thing. And and somebody uh, uh, wrote a world quoted somebody as comparing him to possibly Tony Romo. And what all the jokes and all the snickers that that Tony Romo got in his career because he was a goofball because he was dating the supermodels and the singers and and stuff like that. Tony Romo wound up being a hell of a quarterback for a while there. And uh, if you get a comparison to, to Tony Romo, that's actually showing me a little bit of the, the you know, I, just keep an eye on him is, is all I'll say. Is I'm, I'm not going to say that he's going to be a superstar, but uh, Will Greer, they're giving him a, a shot and, and for this game and I assume uh, next week as well just to see what they got with him. So that's good. I, I think that's a, a good move. I don't think uh, I don't think you have to see more Kyle Allen to see what you got with him. Um, and after all that, I'm going to take the Colts and give the six and a half as well because it's you just wanted to get in piece. some nice nice talking about hey. I had Tony Romo a few, you know, several seasons back as MVP of the league when we did our award show. So the, you know, and I'm not a, I wasn't a Romo guy. Yeah, but you should explain why you had him as as MVP. It wasn't necessarily because of how great a season he had. It was because when he got hurt, his stats were insane that season. But I thought you were putting him as MVP because when he got hurt and they played so much worse with, with whoever the backup was at the time, you're like, okay, well, this proves his value and proves how no, he really was. that was like a joke. Okay. <laughs> no, that was actually a year. Statistically, I made the case for Tony Romo should have been the MVP, and I had him as my MVP um, for honors and dishonors. Okay. Yeah, he, he had a hell of a run. Uh, there's, there's no doubt about that. Uh so yeah, I'm, I'm going to agree with with Carolina. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to agree with Indianapolis. Uh, the matchup actually of that game, the thing that uh, should be what is, is what people watch out for is Christian running Carolina against Darius Leonard and the uh, Indianapolis run defense, which is quietly one of the the better run D's in in, in football this year. So. Uh, there's actually going to be a collision there, and it's not just going to be McCaffrey just running like a hot knife through butter. There's actually going to be a, a confrontation there. So, uh, in in a in a game that nobody should care about, is actually a matchup that's actually uh, interesting. On to the late Sunday afternoon action with the Oakland Raiders and the Los Angeles Chargers. Oh, the Oakland, the way they went out in the black hole is is that that's that was shameful. That was just. They had that game sewn up at halftime and just came out and, and just bleh, all over the field uh, in the second half, just yacked all over themselves. Uh, the six and eight Raiders are seven point dogs at the five and nine. Speaking of yacking on yourselves, Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah, this is oof. this is a big spread, but I think this just kind of tells you what they think of these teams and where they're at. You know, the Raiders are uh, Josh Jacobs is no no more, so they're not going to have Josh Jacobs this week. He was really the thing 
that sort of drove that offense and kept it going. And if you look across the field at the Chargers, for a team as bad as the Chargers are, they're very healthy. This was why everybody liked them last week with the Vikings, because it's like, well, this is for a team that's going into week 15 and now week 16. They got everybody playing. There's no like crazy injuries. It's like those were all early in the season, which was why they were so bad. So everybody figured, oh, the Chargers, maybe, you know, they get hot here, start showing what they're all about. They could be one of these teams that maybe we look at next year, potentially doing some damage. They're coming off the 12 and four season, but Murga has the, the boy, the wheels have fallen off work, the Murga train here and uh, losing last week to Jacksonville, the way they lost to the Jaguars and Gardner Minshew. It's like, yeah, these guys are probably already on the golf course. So as much as I hate to take the San Diego Clipper Chargers of Los Angeles, especially in the soccer stadium, I'm going to have to do it and I'll take the Chargers and give the points. Thursday night on week 10, the Raiders won a tight one. Uh, in the black hole over the Clippers, 26 to 24. Uh, that was a comeback victory for Oakland. Uh, they were helped out greatly by Phillip Rivers throwing the ball to the other team, which he has done a lot this year. Three INTs in that game for Phillip Rivers. Uh, Oakland only has nine. Oakland has nine picks on the year. Three of them were Phillip Rivers throwing it to him in, in week 10. Uh, yeah, Oakland is uh, beat up in one very key place, and that's their running back. They had a, a great thing going with their – rookie running back Josh Jacobs, and they beat him all to hell for nothing, and now he's uh, hurt and not going to play. Uh, and, and even silently, uh, a little more of a loss is the uh, the asshole of a guard, Richie Incognito, which I don't want to admit, but he's he's been an effective player. He's, it's just that he's a, his personality is terrible. But uh, he's not going to play either, and that's going to really – to be a one-two punch uh, to make the whole game dependent on Derek Carr because they're not going to have a running attack uh, at all. And I don't think that's uh, going to go well for the Raiders. So I will also reluctantly concur and, and give the seven points and take the LA Clippers. All their numbers are actually trending up as well over the last couple of months. It's just that they find ways to lose games and just – new and improved ways to lose football games. But uh, the, the all their Chargers numbers look decent. It's just that Phillip Rivers keeps throwing the ball to the other team and, and they find ways to lose. But uh, it, it's the Raiders, so I, I'll, I'll agree and take the Chargers. The Detroit Lions and the Denver Broncos, two more teams playing out the string. The 3-10-1 Lions are plus 6.5 at the 5-9 and nine Broncos. I think the book on David Blau – or whatever, David Blau, right? That's his name, um, yeah. was one half of good football throwing a bunch of YOLO balls against the Chicago Bears, or more so catching the Bears in complete cover zero on a Kenny, oh. Dolly, a Kenny, Kenny Galladay 75-yard touchdown pass. Since that first half against the Bears, it's been about what you'd expect from David Blau. He's garbage. <laughs> I will take the Denver Broncos mostly on the strength of their defense here. Uh, this feels, I honestly think this, this could be a shutout. I think the Broncos could win this game like 16 to nothing. I, I, I don't know what, uh, what ass clown is going to come up with uh, from a coaching standpoint, but I'm sure it won't be much. Uh, I'll go ahead. I'll take the Denver Broncos here because man, all, all they got to do is score 10 and they might get this cover. Yeah, Carryon Johnson uh, looks to return for the Detroit Lions at running back. Um, 
I'm going to agree with you in general and take the uh, Denver Broncos defense. They, they've been trending up. They get a soft opponent uh, in the Lions, and uh, I'll give the six and a half along with you and take Denver, and that's about all that needs to be said about that one. The uh, Arizona Cardinals and the Seattle Seahawks in the uh, NFC West action, that's another rematch uh, in week uh, four. Seattle went to Arizona and beat them 27 to 10. Uh, that was a Jadevian Clowney pick six that really uh, helped to propel that victory, but Clowney is hurt, uh, so he's not going to be out there tomorrow. Uh, nonetheless, the Seahawks are still big favorites. Uh, tied with Baltimore for the biggest favorites of the week. Arizona is plus 10 at Seattle. Yeah. Uh, Jadavian Clowney's banged up. Shaq Griffin's banged up. Uh, I don't know if I like having them, you know, the, their defense already, you know, was eh, you know, they've let teams hang around these, these, these pushes. Oh, just killing me. They let, this feels like push territory again. I would not be it's shocked. More pushy? I'm smelling pushy in a 10 point spread. I wouldn't be shocked if this ended up being 30, 20 because, <laughs> You know, Kyler Murray scores a garbage time touchdown to make it that with like a minute to go on the clock when, you know, it looks like this thing's all sewn up. Um, yeah, I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take the Arizona Cardinals and the points here. I really don't trust the Seahawks. They've been they've been shakier at home. This, this, this home field advantage for the Seahawks hasn't been that great this year. And I don't like the defensive injuries, so I'm thinking that that offense might be able to move the football up and down the field and keep this thing within the t- uh, within 10. The second receiver for Arizona, Christian Kirk, has an ankle injury. He's a game-time decision. Um, yeah, I don't feel very confident at all about this pick either side. Um, I don't know about smelling pushy. I've I, I found reasons to look to, to like both sides. I like the Seattle side uh, because they've been pretty consistent all year, uh, even with all the pushes. Uh, and Russell Wilson has been a, a consistent uh, MVP caliber quarterback all year. Um, and they did damage to Arizona in Arizona, like I said, in week four. So I didn't see much reason they couldn't do the same damage here. And, and also the Arizona Cardinals having such a great week last week, my first thought in my mind was don't let that success fool you because that was the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Brown's going to Brown. Uh, so I didn't want to put too much value in that. But at the same time, you're right, Seattle has been less than impressive at home this year. Uh, we remember the years where 4-2 and two at home for Seattle at this stage. You'd be like, oh, my God, they lost two games at home? How'd that happen? Uh, it was such a, a huge home yeah. field advantage for them. It would take them. them three or four seasons to lose two games at home. Exactly. Um, and I'm also thrown off by all, by all those defensive injuries. There's a lot of talent that, that's uh, possibly not going to be for them quite. Diggs is out. Damian Clowney is out. You talked about Shaquille Griffin, the DB, with a hamstring. Uh, Michael Kendricks has a hamstring as well. Um, I, I'm going to agree and take those those 10 points and, and take the Cardinals to just kind of hang around and, and, and lose by a, a touchdown or a field goal or something like that. I, I'd see it the same way. The Dallas Cowboys and the Philadelphia Eagles in the de facto NFC East title game because it's really – Hard to imagine the winner not going on and winning the division. Uh, Dallas clinches completely if they win. Uh, Philly, if they win, is in the driver's seat. Uh, And if they go on and win next week as well, then they clinch. Uh, So with all that said, uh, about as evenly matched as you can get, they're both 7-7. 
Uh, Dallas is three and four on the road. Philly is four and three at home. And because it's Dallas and they get all that love, they are favored on the road. The Cowboys give one point at the Eagles. Somebody's got to win this game. I mean, it could be a tie. That wouldn't that be perfect? Yeah, no, no one has to win this game. <laughs> Nobody has to win, but somebody probably will. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't like this. Dak Prescott's all banged up. Jason Garrett's a joke of a coach. I will definitely take Doug Peterson in any kind of a coaching situation over Jason Garrett. They just blew the doors off of the Rams. It wouldn't just be like the Cowboys to go back into Cowboy mode from earlier in the season and think like, oh, hey, we got all the talent. We're just going to show up and we're going to win the football game. And uh uh-oh, here come the Eagles who just grind this thing to a halt, find a way, some trick plays. Carson Wentz has a great game. You know, Dak Prescott's all banged up. We don't know what he's going to get. They're going to tra- they're going to be stacking the box against Ezekiel Elliott because we know that the secondary for the uh, for the Philadelphia Eagles is just absolute garbage. So I still wouldn't be shocked though if just on the strength of coaching and being at home and this is a this is going to be a close game I think anyways just because it's two teams that they know each other they don't play and like each other but I think that the Eagles could grind this one out and uh, win this game. Dallas uh, at home on a Sunday night in week seven uh, beat the tar out of the Eagles 37 to 10. That was behind uh, an old school way uh, of winning games, the way the Cowboys are capable of winning, which is just grinding it out on the ground. They ran for 189 yards in that game. They never let the Eagles up uh, and they just completely ground them down and ran them out of the building. Um, And if something similar happened tomorrow, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised, especially with Dak. Uh, Prescott with that shoulder injury that you referenced uh, that they appear to not have let him really rip it and throw all week long, just trying to rest him and save him for this game, which is a not so good sign for his shoulder. Um, but yeah, I can see uh, Dallas going back to the old school and, and Zeke Elliott and Tony Pollard, the Memphis running back uh, and just grinding out the Eagles and, and wearing them down. The, the Eagles, Injury issues are legendary. Uh, still no Jordan Howard. He hasn't played in several weeks. Nelson Aguilar is not going to play. Alshon Jeffrey, of course, was put on IR. Uh, the weapons are just not there for the Eagles this year. Carson Wentz has valiantly tried to, to keep them afloat, but it's just, it just looks so awful and so ugly. The Eagles are averaging 6.5 yards per throw this year. That's just – that's that's almost – uh, that's worse than what Tom Brady and the Patriots are doing, and that's pretty bad. Um, it, it's, it's almost worse than Mitch Trubisky and the Bears. It, it's, it's awful, um, and, and it's so sad because you know the Eagles have the coaching. They have the, the infrastructure. They just got unlucky with, with injuries, and before that, they got really unlucky with the dropsies and, and some of the balls, uh, that, that some of the success that they should have had through the air that they couldn't because their receivers were just having a lot of uh, butterfingers. My initial thought when this matchup came up was I don't have a goddamn clue who to go with because both these teams can, uh, are capable of putting forth really good efforts and they're both capable of pulling forth really terrible efforts. So, uh, but just looking at at all the factors, looking at all the Eagles injuries, uh, they got so much going wrong for them. Um, they were both three and three when they met up in week seven. So they were both in this sort of same uh, avenue of, oh, we're, we're right there with each other. It's a must win. And the Eagles come out and, and, and only score 10 points and just get bruised and battered. Uh, 
I can see the exact same thing happening tomorrow, and I feel so strong about it that I'm actually going to lock up the Cowboys and, and give the one point. I don't see the Eagles uh, competing. They have just been so beat to hell all year, and I don't see them. I don't see that getting any better. So I, I think Dallas, Dallas should come in and just run them right out of their own building and. and Booze raining down upon Philadelphia. I can I can see it now. It's such a familiar scene. On Sunday night football, the Chiefs and the Bears do battle in Soldier Field, and we discussed this a little bit uh, in hour one uh, about Pat Mahomes coming in and facing uh, a quarterback that was drafted ahead of him in Mitch Trubisky, and that threatens to be one of the biggest jokes and biggest gaffes uh, of all time, uh, being. Chicagoans, we were inundated growing up with how uh, horrible of a trade that the uh, the Cubs made with the Cardinals when they traded Lou Brock away. They could have had the Hall of Fame speedster Lou Brock, and they traded him away for some guy named Ernie Brolio. And Ernie Brolio. We were, we were told over and over again, this was a terrible, 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 terrible trade, and this threatens to be in that avenue of, oh, my God, the Bears could have drafted Pat Mahomes, and they drafted Mitch Trubisky, so... Uh, this game doesn't have it, – it's not a, uh, a referendum on that decision at all. It's just going to feel feel like it coming from the fans and probably from the media. I can see uh, the Sunday night crew really doing it up and, and having a lot of fun with this garbage, and I'm already not looking forward to that. As far as the game goes, the 10-4 and four Chiefs are six-point favorites on the road at the 7-7 seven and seven Bears. Yeah, hey, wouldn't you know, it's the Bears – as an underdog against an AFC opponent oh. in prime time. Bears <laughs> win, baby. The Bear Whisperer's back. <laughs> he doesn't bear whispering. Uh, hey, uh, you know, Casey looked excellent in the snow, so Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes are getting in the groove. So you would think this is all about the Chiefs and, and Pat Mahomes coming in and showing everybody, hey, what a stupid – uh, draft choice that you guys made and, and taking this Trubinsky guy. Uh, we're going to hear all about it. Uh, I don't know if it's bear whispering or not, but it, it's just sort of a feeling. And, and, and again, I'm a Bears fan, so you can't take me too seriously on these things. I, 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 uh, I'm not impartial. I don't pretend to be. I try to be, but I, I can't be. Uh, yeah, this feels like one of those those games, one of those wild, crazy, uh, loud uh, just stuff happens that you go, what What was that? What just happened? Weirdness and, and, and things that you don't know what's coming next. Uh, and, and maybe Trubisky hears all that talk and actually decides to come out and play a great game, and, and maybe that's part of the narrative. So I'll concur. I'll take the Bears and the, and the points. On Monday night, it's the Packers going up to Minnesota to play the Vikings, and this is a de facto division uh potential division title game. Uh, the Vikings uh, need to win to hunt. They can still win the NFC North when they clinch the division. However, people are looking at Kirk Cousins and the Vikings and giving them the love. Green Bay is a five-and-a-half-point dog. At I don't like the running back situation for the Vikings. I don't like the fact that Delvin Cook and uh... – was it Alexander Madison or whatever the hell his name is? That they're both banged up. Uh, Cook is out. Madison's hurt. Uh, we don't know how effective he's going to be. They're starting some guy Boone apparently at running back. He's going to be the guy. But the the weakness of the Packers defense is the run D, and it's Kirk Cousins. 
and it's prime time, and the Packers have a winning record, and the Vikings are giving them a lot of points. I fully expect the Packers by the end of the night to be NFC North champions. I will take the Packers straight up. Yeah, Mike Boone is the last healthy running back uh, left for the Vikings. Uh, Green Bay won uh, in week two, uh, 21-16 at Lambeau Field behind two Aaron Rodgers touchdowns and two Kirk Cousins INTs. Very, very familiar feeling. I feel very confident that the Minnesota Vikings are the better team overall and that they're desperate. However, I think of Kirk Cousins in a tight spot, in a big situation, and I can't help but flash back to when we were in Vegas and Washington Redskins and Green Bay Packers in the playoffs and Kirk Cousins is looking real good at the beginning and they're chanting you like that. By the end of the game, he wasn't looking too good and they were chanting we like that. The Packers and Washington. So I will take Green Bay as well uh, because it's Kirk Cousins in a big spot. that into our VIP after show program, which I'm sure won't last very long because we're both very tired. It's midnight. Yeah. I got to be up at six <laughs> o'clock in the morning because I work um, and I don't have any days off until uh, Monday. Uh, I didn't get a chance to say it on the show, but I should wish you a happy birthday. That'll be two days from now. That'll be Sunday, right? That's oh, right. actually, well, guess what? One it's tomorrow. <laughs> Your birthday is tomorrow because it is now midnight here central. So now it's December 21st. So tomorrow, happy birthday. So you'll be there you go. Thank some, you. Some Sunday football. And for two weeks, you get to appreciate uh, being 44 because I haven't quite caught up to you. You have to respect your elders. Remember that. That's right. Respect. So you get to, you know, you'll have to, you'll have to tell me on the next show what 44 feels like. So I have a uh, preparation. <laughs> I'll, I'll try, and then I'll probably need some preparation each uh, by that time because oh. it's, you know, we're at that age. You know, you gotta you gotta do yeah. what you gotta do. Don't be sitting on any cold stone. <laughs> uh, I miss cold stone, the the creamery, not the uh, not the actual stone. Oh yeah, we used to have one here in town, and it's gone. So the only time I ever see them now is when I go to the big cities. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, another show has come to an end. We we had some uh, confusions and mix-ups and trying to figure out what what teams we're looking at. And it's uh, you know those, those football parties. You, when you get older, that's another part of getting older. You can't party like you used to. You know, <laughs> stuff happens. Uh, but yeah, that uh, got the triple header tomorrow. Uh, I. I, I'm, I'm supposed to be working as well. I'm kind of feeling like I might be coming down with something. <laughs> oh, both my kids are getting sick. I had yeah. sniffles today. I better not be getting. I don't want to be getting sick too. God damn it. Yeah, <laughs> noon tomorrow. Noon three thirty seven fifteen. Those are our three start times tomorrow. There we go. So get that All out right. of the way for you. Any, any anything we uh, anything we missed there? I know we kind of glossed over that last one, but I think that's pretty self-explanatory. I think our Kirk Cousins hate is pretty well pretty well documented. Yeah. I just don't I just don't like this matchup in this spot. I I don't like all the these running back injuries for the Vikings. Yeah, that's a, a big part of it. They're when they play their best is when their offenses uh, very balanced when they don't have to rely on Kirk Cousins to yeah. be the man. When they had Dalvin Cook, 
uh, in the first half of the year running as well as any running back in the league and, and contending for an MVP. And he's clearly got banged up and wore down in the second half. And now he won't even be out there tomorrow. And uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's a big part of it for me is, is now Kirk's going to have to be the man. And I don't, I don't trust that. How can you possibly trust that? Uh, like I was referring to that story about the, uh, I, I didn't get all the details in because I was rushed at the end of, of, of the cutoff. But specifically, uh, uh, we, I was still in the air. My wife and I were still flying into Vegas when that game started, that Redskins-Packers uh, playoff game. And I think the first possession, the Redskins scored a touchdown. And Kirk Cousins is getting, you know, chance, and, and we like that. And it was right after – that was the same season that he did the whole you like that thing. So that was – You like that! You like that! So that was all the rage. Everybody was doing that, and uh, the crowd was chanting it at him, and it was looking all good. And I was feeling good about the pick because I had picked them. I believe you had picked the Packers. And uh-huh. by the time – by the time I got off – by the time we got off the plane, got the baggage claim – that's right. Uh, Taylor... That's when we were flying to Vegas. That was the day we flew to Vegas. Yes. Uh, by the I time we got off, the... in the airport with my wife, and, and we 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 hailed a cab. We got to Harrah's. Uh, we got unpacked. We got settled in, and I finally picked up the remote control to see where we were, where we were at in the game. And the Packers were winning, and and Cousins was throwing balls all over the field and getting intercepted. And the the Cheesehead fans, because the Green Bay fans travel very well. <laughs> Uh, were chanting you like that at Kirk Cousins after he threw uh, an interception and, and were giving it to him and uh, everything had just turned completely around and turned to shit and that that's the lasting impression of Green of uh, Kirk Cousins in a big spot versus Green Bay was uh, no I'm not going to trust that again so I'm going to take uh, the Green Bay Packers and, and take those points and I actually have Minnesota winning the game straight up I just I was shocked at that spread I got a winning by like two or three points. I did not expect to see them favored by five and a half when I when I opened yeah. up the, uh, the the wager line apps. Yeah, and you know Aaron Rodgers, he's, he he's hasn't he hasn't had a great season, but I he's still pretty wily, and he's going to throw up some balls. I do not like how grabby Trey Waynes and Xavier Rhodes get. Those guys are awfully handsy. And if anybody wants to play conspiracy theory and say that the, like the refs have been in the pocket of the Green Bay Pack, it was a perfect spot for some of these conspiracy theories to come up because, man. A lot of plays. Oh, man. I think we're going to see a lot of defensive holds. I think we're going to see a lot of uh, a lot of DPI in this game. Aaron Rodgers is going to really make those guys pay, I think. And it's going to, you know, in, especially with penalties. And maybe we'll see Jake Kumro make a couple big plays. <laughs> Your guy. That's my guy. You need to get you need to get his jersey. You need to just pay the money and, and get oh the Kumaro jersey. Yeah, I'll get I'll get the Kumaro jersey and then I'll send you the uh, the Fortner jersey, the, your <laughs> Eli your Eli Fortner Bulls jersey. Or the Baron Armstrong. Or the, uh, Baron, yeah, we've had all the all the all the references that we've made to fictional uh, athletes. <laughs> uh, okay, I, I I think we're I think we're finished. I think we're gonna. Call it there, unless you had anything else. No, I'm I'm good. We can we can call the show. We can tap out. Yeah, I'm I'm tapping with you. All right, he is Jay. I am Dre. This has been in much less detail the podcast. We've got 16 big games 
coming up in the next to last week of the regular season. Next week, it's time to flip that coin and and get into some week 17 picks, which are always very, very crazy and interesting. And uh, there's nothing like reading down the injury report of week 17 and trying to figure out who's actually playing and and who might play a half and who might play a series and all of that. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm, Especially as the playoff scenarios, if they all take shape this week, good luck. Good yeah, luck yeah. figuring this out. Exactly. So uh, we'll, we'll all play along at the the Week 17 game next week. But uh, as far as Week 16 goes, everybody enjoy your football this weekend. Everybody have a uh, very, very merry Christmas next Wednesday. And uh, we'll be on the air after Christmas is over. Uh I can only imagine how Jason will feel after uh, Christmas, as tired as he is now. Uh, still got that that last those last few days coming, that Christmas rush coming. So yeah, that, that, that should be fun. Up. Got all my shopping done. I was in Minnesota doing Christmas shopping, and then everything I didn't get there, I kind of filled in all the all the gaps, you know, with Amazon or going to the store. So I don't have to there do any go. more Christmas shopping. So at least I'm done with that. that that's always good. All right, uh, everyone enjoy your football and get you into some some holiday spirit here. You know, it's it's that time of the year. So, you know, you, if you haven't heard it already somewhere, then damn it, you're going to hear it here because everyone should hear this at some point during the Christmas holiday. So here's our gift from In Much Less Detail to all of you. Everyone have a very, very Merry Christmas. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.